Multiple sources now claiming that the PS5 Pro is in fact coming later this year in 2024, and new information coming out from various sources that the PS5 Pro specs are being shared with third-party publishers. We are also seeing more corroboration and agreement from folks about the alleged specs, and if what we are hearing turns out to be true, the PS5 Pro will be, as I've said before, a game-changer. There is also some commentary about the timing of the PS5 Pro and GTA 6. Given some of the developments with Xbox, and their own hardware plans, this could be a very different year for each company. And consumers are weighing in on the rumors. Some feel it is far too fast and too early, while others can't wait to buy the mid-gen update as soon as it's available. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video. That way, you don't have to go looking for it. It's sort of an opening monologue. And if you're looking for ways to support the channel, if you've watched these on a regular basis or you watch the past broadcasts, make sure you hit the like button. Consider becoming a member. Those are two of the best ways to support the channel in addition to making sure you're subscribed with the bell button checked we now have multiple reports about the ps5 pro and its impending release later in 2024 more than that we have agreement from sources about the specs and apparently the ps5 pro specs have been sent to third-party publishers we also have analysts speculating on the timing and the strategy with respect to gta 6 and in light of the recent news about xbox first party games coming to playstation it begs the question will the extra power of the ps5 pro be leveraged by titles that were once exclusive to xbox so first i want to walk through what happened we have reports about what's coming this year i have my own theory about when they will announce and when the ps5 pro will release there's also various sources who are hearing spec details that align with each other there's also remarks about gta 6 and the previous leaks about ray tracing second i want to look at the reactions to all of this i definitely feel like the tone surrounding playstation is shifting a little bit what was once dismissed as never happening people thought that the ps5 pro was not going to happen even though it's not really been officially announced, it is seemingly garnering more attention and more interest. Lastly, I will tell you what I think. I've made some pretty bold predictions about what the PS5 Pro will do within the market, and from what we are hearing, it sounds more and more likely. So first, what happened? Well, I'm going to pull from Eurogamer on this because there was a CNBC report, and Eurogamer said the following. A new CNBC report notes that there was now a broad consensus in the games industry that Sony is indeed preparing to launch a PS5 Pro in the second half of 2024, quoting Tokyo-based games uh, analyst Sirkin Toto. Now, I will talk in a moment about when I think they're going to announce it, when they're going to launch it, but this same report is cautioning against a few expectations. And one of those expectations is something that I thought would happen. And this is what they say. Quote, The report cautions that Sony is unlikely to see a large uptick in PS5 sales year on year as a result of the Pro's launch. And it is also unlikely to cut costs on the base PS5 model as a result. Now, I expected a drop in price for the base model. Now, maybe they will do that at some point in the future, but it seems like they're not planning on doing that. Analysts don't think they will. And in light of some of the revenue reports and things we've heard from PlayStation and Sony recently, they're not looking to lower the cost of those consoles. But given demand and their market dominance, it would probably not also make any good business sense to lower the price if the PS5 is still selling well and is still high in demand. The analysts continue to comment about how this might line up and time well with GTA 6. They said the following. Sony will want to make sure to have a great piece of hardware ready when GTA A6 hits in 2025, a launch that will be a shot in the arm for the entire gaming industry. Now, there's been a lot of speculation and rumor about this. Some are claiming that the gameplay shown 
for GTA 6 was on a PS5 Pro dev kit. Now, others are theorizing that the game will be optimized for the PS5 Pro. Now, I have no desire to outline all the various numbers and the specs that folks are sharing. I don't understand what all of it means. So, some of us, I don't think even care either to get into the numbers, but Red Gaming Tech just released a video yesterday walking through what he and others are hearing, and they are essentially hearing the same things. There are claims that the console will target 4K 120 and 8K 60, which honestly sounds crazy, but the rumors about this have indicated that some type of AI technology will be utilized that is similar to what DLSS offers on NVIDIA graphics cards for PCs, and apparently the specs are already being sent to third-party publishers. According to WCCF Tech, they reported on this because they said the following. Speaking during the latest episode of Sacred Symbols podcast, host and known insider Colin Moriarty said that he was explicitly told by one of his contacts at a mid-sized third-party publisher that the company has been informed regarding the console's specs. Unsurprisingly, first- and second-party developers already have access to the PS5 Pro details, according to the Insider. There was also the previous leaks about the PS5 Pro rumors that started swirling, and it was going to accelerate the ray tracing. That was some of the first stuff that we heard. This is what made me theorize that the PlayStation had once again, as a brand, targeted the ones in the need of the game developers. As more and more studios want to utilize more ray tracing because it expedites development time, they will find that very appealing. And WCCF Tech also remarked on the AI tech, but said it will allegedly require little work from the devs. This is what they said. According to rumors, the console will be marketed as a 120fps 4K machine, which will be easy, easy to achieve thanks to AI upscaling in the vein of NVIDIA DLSS. Performance improvements are also expected to require little work from the developers. Now, if it's something that dedicated hardware on the PS5 Pro is doing, I would be interested in how exactly devs harness that power. If the console is doing some sort of post-processing AI upscaling, then it may not require the devs to do as much as a traditional hardware upgrade typically would require. Typically, when you're suddenly making a game for stronger hardware, you have to optimize the game and run a lot of tests on that particular hardware to make sure your game is doing what it needs to do. But if this is something the hardware is doing after the fact, the devs, as we've heard from the rumors, may not have to do as much. So that's everything we know, and we'll likely, we're going to have to cover the specs once they leak. The publishers and the devs have it. I can't believe we haven't heard about the specs up to now. They're really keeping this locked down because if enough sources claim to have those specs, it's going to be easy to corroborate and get an accurate picture. Many people have sources in the industry at lots of different developers. So what has the reaction been to all of this? Now, the first and most common response I'm seeing from people is this is a day one purchase. Obviously, those engaged on YouTube and Twitter about gaming will be more likely to be first adopters, but I do feel that there is less doubt and skepticism about the existence of the PS5 Pro now. There was early on. Perhaps Tom Henderson getting the Project Q prediction correct. Maybe people are realizing that he also got the PS5 Pro correct as well. Give that man his flowers. And the PS Portal continues to exceed demand according to a recent interview with Stephen Dottillo. Now, on the subject of a handheld device... 
I saw an interesting observation that I thought was worthy of mention. People were saying, I can't believe the PS5 Pro is going to come out before the Nintendo Switch 2. And it really is remarkable that that's how the timing is going to play out. But I support Nintendo's decision. Recent reports claim that the delay of the Nintendo Switch 2 in the first quarter of 2025 was to avoid shortages. And I much prefer a new console launch to not be mired by a lack of availability. It'll also mean that the PS5 gets a mid-gen refresh before the now seven-year-old switch gets its next generation funny enough some people are still reacting to this and saying really already there are people that think this is far too early to be launching a ps5 pro it's important to remember that this will be four full years into the console generation it might not feel that way because 2020 and 2021 are a bit of a blur for a lot of us but Another thing I was seeing similarly to the question about timing was, why would you launch a PS5 Pro with no games to showcase its power? Now, this question asserted that we're in a gaming drought right now, which is one of the craziest claims I think I've seen about gaming in 2024, but a quick history lesson will be helpful. The PS4 Pro did not have launch titles. They simply listed all the titles that would benefit from the increase in power. Now, given the titles already released, I could see some heavy-hitting marketing for this device. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, Spider-Man 2. These could all get new modes with more ray tracing, higher FPS performance, or higher resolution. The revisionist history that pretends both platforms have had a lack of next-gen games is a bit tiring. To pretend that PlayStation doesn't have a very strong lineup already for the PS5 is genuinely laughable at this point. For the folks who are still stuck in denial, you're missing out on great games for no reason other than maintaining a false narrative. And somebody co-signed on this idea and said, this generation of consoles is a dud. This just sounds like more of the projection that we've seen with the Xbox news that has very many people disappointed in how that platform is changing. Claims that both platforms are struggling to hit 60 FPS. I see this all the time. This is simply not true. Or that both platforms have struggled to get next-gen games out to market. Again, this is simply not true. One platform's struggles and shortcomings being projected on the other is just foolish at this point. Now, in the vein of launch titles, I could see, and I have seen people say, well, Concord could be one. It could be a first-party game from a first-party studio that will be a launch title because apparently, according to the PlayStation blog, it is coming this year, but we've seen basically nothing from the game. If we don't see Concord at the Summer Showcase, that would make my spidey sense tingle. You know, Either the game's just getting delayed out of 2024 at that point, or they might be saving it for the PS5 Pro reveal, which I think that's a hint about the announcement and when I think it's going to land. More on that in a moment. I did see some folks saying, listen, I'm going to wait. Screw the scalpers, right? (laughs) It's certainly a pain if you're trying to be an early adopter for anything these days because of scalpers. And hopefully as a content creator, I'm able to get one so I can show it off and talk about it because I refuse to give money to scalpers. I I don't want to support that, okay? I hope that PlayStation's able to maintain demand and that scalpers end up losing money because I have a very low opinion of them, and I think it's great when they lose money. The last thing I'm seeing is this thing better be a big jump in performance, right? That people are skeptical about the claims about just how strong it's going to be and, and the performance we're going to get. But I agree with the sentiment that it needs to be a pretty big jump in performance. And given what we're hearing, it seems like that's what they are aiming at. So let me tell you my thoughts on this. Okay, first, I want to talk about the timing. When are they going to announce this? When are they going to release this? And what's the price going to look like? 
I do not think that this will be announced at the Summer Showcase. They're going to wait as long as possible before confirming and announcing the PS5 Pro's existence. I think they will do a special PS5 Pro state of play in September, and then the release date for the console will be November. And the price range, I think, is going to be around $600. Now, my previous prediction was that the PS5 Pro would be market disruptive. And what I argued was that they were targeting the developers and what the developers wanted. PlayStation won the console war that the hardware distribution they are winning that right now it's basically over and the customer migration will likely increase in 2024 with xbox exclusives coming over to playstation 5 now they are now i think in my estimation looking to fight the content war by winning over developers without having to purchase or buy them even the recent news of layoffs from sony I'm not sure they're going to be doing acquisitions like I thought they were going to do. They might not try to acquire Arrowhead. If they're trying to limit spending and they're trying to shrink costs, they might not want to do that. Well, they can't beat Microsoft in a spending war. And one great way to win what I believe we are now in a content war, which is those who have the content are going to win the customers, or they're the ones that are going to generate the most money. They're not going to do that. They're not going to be able to go out and buy up a bunch of these developers, but they can develop a platform that developers prefer to build for. They won't just have the largest high-end console saturation in the market. They could also end up with hardware that specifically targets what developers want to do. It could become the preferred platform to develop your games for. I've also predicted that we would see more third-party timed exclusives because it's just going to be easier to have that be your preferred method of launching a game. You can hit PlayStation first, which is the largest high-end market, and we'll be able to, you know, inc- you could do more with your game, and then you can leverage PlayStation's marketing, land on a console that not just has greater saturation, but allows you to do more with your game. That wins on both fronts. Now, on the question of launch titles, I could see a Spider-Man 2 DLC that pushes performance with like the same way that we saw with Burning Shores and Horizon Forbidden West. We know Insomniac likes to add performance modes as they did with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I could see some Spider-Man 2 complete editions, you know, that include the DLC kind of comboed up with the PS5 Pro, something to that effect. I certainly agree with the predictions about GTA 6, especially since GTA 6 is not landing on PC at launch. They will potentially be aiming at the PS5 Pro as the premier platform for their game. But the last question I have is, what about the Xbox ports? The same team that helped bring Sea of Thieves to PlayStation 5 is also helping with Fable. So many have speculated that that could mean Fable is going to be a multi-plat launch. Let's just say for the sake of the discussion that that takes place, or maybe even if it's a timed exclusive, if it hit Xbox and then six months to a year later it hits PlayStation. Either scenario, what if the game runs better or has more performance mode options on the PS5 Pro versus the Xbox consoles? Given how quickly games are moving and the timeline of when Third Kind Games, that's the company that was helping with Sea of Thieves, given the timing of when they helped out, they've been helping with this for over a year. These plans have been in the works for a while. And having your game land on the PS5 Pro and not leverage the power or the features, well, that might not be a good look. If Xbox starts to shift more into the business of selling games, you have to consider the consumer base on the PS5 and the PS5 Pro and what they will come to expect from games. But for now, we wait, and likely we'll have to wait a little bit longer to hear something official, which I think will happen later in the year, not sooner. But that's just what I think. What do you think? 
So let me give you my closing thoughts and conclusion on this. First, it's clear with the amount of people talking that they're claiming this that the PS5 is coming this year. I don't think you'd have this many people claiming it. I don't think you have this many insiders and analysts saying it's pretty much the consensus of the industry. It's actually impressive given that that the specs of the PS5 Pro have been kept mostly quiet. But the amount of people that are corroborating each other's claims, we're very likely close to the dam breaking and the info's just gonna hit the public. The bigger question would be, when will they announce it? What's the price point? I've already made my guess as to when that'll happen. The second thing I wanna say is, I remember folks speculating that the state of play might announce the PS5 Pro, like the state of play that we just had. That sort of feels like the wishful thinking that happens before every showcase. Folks are like, oh, I think this game's going to be there. They, they think every studio, they think every game is going to show up and talk. The PS5 Pro will never be announced or confirmed by PlayStation until absolutely necessary. Again, I think they do a PS5 Pro state of play in September and then they're going to release it in November. My conclusion is this. The outlook on the gaming industry right now is very strange. Just this morning, PlayStation announced that they're laying off 900 people, which includes closing entire studios and canceling projects and canceling games. Even with all the growth and all the success, the cost of gaming and the overhiring from 2020 is being pruned. It's still being pruned. And 2024 will be worse than 2023, according to analysts with respect to layoffs it's going to be a polarizing year because more games are going to come out than we've seen in a while we had a very very slow start to this gen and it's picking up speed but in the midst of more games there's going to be more layoffs and a ps5 pro and we were supposed to get a nintendo switch 2 that this was going to be a massive year for gaming and by all accounts it still will be A lot of the analysts that predicted this year would be worse for layoffs are being proven right, which is a sour note for gamers who just want to celebrate good games and good tech and have a good time. But those are just my thoughts. Now it's time to hear your thoughts. And that's the show open, guys. Thank you so much for being here. I didn't have time to make other than that passing mention. I saw the tweets. It looks like VR is not in a great spot with respect to first party. They're probably going to lean on PC and third party. Um, And with this game coming out with, I mean, sorry, with the PS5 Pro undoubtedly coming out this year, uh, you know, the the question would then be, do any of these studios have anything planned, these first party studios? So I don't want today to be about the layoffs. We're going to have to look into what was said. And if we're going to do a show on it, I want to make sure we look at everything Jim Ryan and Herman Hulse said. So sadly, the, you know, we wrote this and sketched this out yesterday. And then I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, great. We get to talk about the PS5 Pro and 900 people are getting sent packing and studios are closing that's fantastic uh a 10 bomb from behemoth starting off the day and dk beggar comes behind him with a single let me make sure and check the um the fan funding yeah that's the first one han shot first and so did you thank you so much behemoth you guys are starting the day really really strong we were going to try to hit 3500 but we had another dip so we're just going to try to hit we're just going to try to hit 3000 anytime we get 30 days away from a really big day we end up losing a lot of members and that's totally normal it's not like shocking but i always have to adjust the goals it doesn't seem fair to be like nope you guys still have to hit 3500 in a couple of days so I hope my trade-in price for my PS5 covers 75% of my upgrade cost. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know typically how they handle that. I mean, with with the price and the upgrade and the how much they'll give you in store credit. I imagine the PS5 Pro is going to be about six hundred dollars, though. So whatever you think you can get by trading in a PS5, at the time, they might actually pay you less or give you less store credit. Patrick Q gifts a member. Thank you so much for doing that. Patrick Q. Oh, let me get the uh, the daily goal up there. There we go. We're already halfway to 25. Every 25, I give five back to the community. Give it a few days. More info on the layoffs will come to light. At least we'll have a more clear picture. Right, and that's why I don't like jumping on stuff. It's like, okay, it's 900 studios are closing. Gee, many Christmas. Like, we knew this year was going to be bad. We knew it was coming, but it's like, I I thought they would try to, like, do a lot of broad slices instead of closing down entire studios. But I think the one that's closing hasn't done anything for a while, so maybe they were working on something that is being shelved. I'm not sure. Notice how they say Switch Systems Plural. Oh, the Pokemon game coming to Switch Systems in 2025. Yeah, that's pretty much passive confirmation. I mean, they could say that there's multiple switches out there because there's the Switch OLED and the Switch Lite, but they're not they're not different than each other in like you know releasing simultaneously worldwide in 2025. Why would you need to say simultaneously? I missed the intro. Did you cover the specs? I did not get into the specs, but I gave you the generic version of the specs. Okay. What we're hearing is that the PS5 Pro will leverage some type of AI upscaling that is going to put this piece of hardware, allegedly, it's going to make it capable of like 124K and 68K. Now again, if that's a bunch of post sort of post-processing AI upscaling, then the devs don't necessarily have to do much. Again, this is according to the rumors. That's how they're going to do it. And the rumor is the devs aren't going to have to do much. It makes sense. If you've got a dedicated piece of hardware that's leveraging some type of AI upscaling, well, the devs don't devs don't have to do anything. Well, they decide they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do as much as they would if it was like, Oh, you can harness more power now. And then they got to go into their game and tell their game to harness the more power. Like, I'm keeping this very basic because I'm not super educated on it, but I have enough of an understanding to know that if you just give a company, a development company, here, here's more power, they have to go into their game and say, hey, video game, you can now use more power, okay? What it sounds like they're doing is they've developed some type of AI upscaling. That would happen after, okay? So it would, like, take the game and basically do stuff after, and it would be a dedicated piece of hardware. So they're not necessarily saying, oh, hey, use more of the CPU, use more of the GPU. Now, I'm assuming they're going to do that because we are hearing that the graphics will have more compute units, which means it will be stronger and the CPU will be stronger. So there is some level of work that will need to be done. But if it'll affect input lag, I have no idea, Crowded House. That, again, is a very, very layman's basic description of what we're hearing. I didn't want to get down into, like, the 60 out of 64 CUs. Like, what does that even mean? Um, Again, very generically, a lot of the times when they create hardware like this there are pieces of the hardware that they leave dormant for stability 
and they're going to open up more of those parts so they're not dormant so that it's a stronger device if that makes sense like if you think of it in the realm of um it it would be like suddenly having more cylinders on an engine probably like you know you've got car i'm not a car guy but you know they always talk about how many cylinders a car engine has it it would i'm trying to think of a better analogy because the idea being they leave parts of the hardware dormant it's for stability or something and then they're going to basically open up more so that there's more power it's it's like adding lanes to a highway um it's like adding lanes to a highway right if they have a bunch of lanes on the highway closed what it does is only so many cars can get through and then all of a sudden they're like oh we can open up more lanes on the highway and then it lets more cars get through picture that that's kind of what again this is my very basic understanding of it is that they're opening up more and then that's then obviously the game can do more right you can throw more at it you can be like hey let's do more with ray tracing or uh, let's do more with textures or let's do more with this and it you know it just makes the game run better run smoother you know a lot of the times you're struggling with frames per second is quite literally that reason all right hang on a second i've got some people to thank um I thanked Patrick Q for the gifted. A five spot from Texas Scientist. Perfect timing for the new model as our daughter has taken over my PS5 for Genshin Impact and moved it into her room. You better watch your credit card bill, brother. She's playing Genshin in her room. (laughs) And a single gift that comes in from Joker Quinn. Thank you so much, Joker Quinn, taking us to 13 on the day. Not so much a cylinder count, but adding a forced induction... Yeah, I'm not good with cars, so I aborted on that analogy. I'm like, I'm not, I'm backing off of that. The way I understand it is, they're 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 gonna give them more power, which is normally not available. That's the basic explanation. You're going for is like when they buy a high sports car and then you get the limiter taken off. It's something like that, right? Something that's keeping it limited, right? And a ten bomb comes in from Mash and takes us to twenty three members. On the day, he's like, let's get back to 3,000 members, boys. Let's end February strong. I appreciate you so much, MASH. Zubair says, it's not a stability thing, it's a production thing. A certain number of units will be defective. If you only need 60 out of 64 units, up to four per die can be defective. Oh, I thought it was for stability. I misunderstood. I tried to read somebody's explanation of it, and I must have just misinterpreted it. I thought it was like a stability thing, like... If you open up too many, it can cause inconsistency. Maybe that's what they were trying to explain. That there'll be too many that it'd be defective or something. I don't know. Um, Why did this company make a turbocharger? Most cars aren't compatible. I'm not sure what you're saying, um, Eugene. I think Zubair is right. Yeah, I don't understand the tech. The basic explanation is... Instead of it being this much, it's going to be this much. That's kind of how it works. Just FYI, the simultaneous thing from Pokemon Direct isn't reference to the hardware, but in reference to the games coming worldwide. Oh, okay. Thank you, Fozzie. I was like, simultaneously? What in the world? I get that makes sense. They're not going to do a rolling um, time zone release. That's that. That makes sense. 
I appreciate that clarification. And Silent Spartan gifts a member. I love seeing names gift that that are not that there's a couple of people who like gift all the time and it's like man when you guys end up helping out and sharing that i really appreciate that man more and more people catching the vision paying it forward you know thank you so much for doing that silence spartan i'll be selling my ps5 again a ps5 pro for a couple hundred dollars i need to play gta 6 at the highest settings possible well that's a question isn't it how much do you think gta 6 is going to play a role here you know, I mean, it, it, it. that'll probably be the biggest game to come out in the next, I don't know, probably decade. You know, I mean, low estimates, it would still probably be one of the most popular games, if not the most popular game of the next 10 years. So what exactly do you think they're planning? Because if you're only launching on console and the strongest console on the market that's that dev kit's been in circulation for a while when's the ps5 pro coming out everybody's speculating second half i'm saying that i'm confident they're gonna wait as long as possible and jc gets us to 25 thank you so much jc there it is i owe you guys five i'll do it right away we've been doing it right away to maintain that momentum and get you guys closer to the goals that we set I think they're going to do a state of play just for the PS5 Pro. Like, just for the PS5 Pro, they're going to do a state of play in September, and it'll come out in November. That'd be my thought. Bear said it best, but adding CUs for more power doesn't sound like their goal. Sounds like they're trying to optimize the existing systems with AI. There were rumors a while ago, Paris, that they were going to have a dedicated piece of hardware for AI... And I don't know if that was speculation because people heard about AI or is that in fact how they're going to be doing it? I I just, I don't know. I think that 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 would be the ultimate question is do they end up saying we got a dedicated piece of hardware or like you're saying, do they use the existing hardware and they have something running? You've got to have dedicated hardware to run an AI thing like we're hearing. An AI upscaler. Wouldn't you need something dedicated and that's all it's doing? Like, that's its job? I, again, this is just my understanding from things that I've read. I could be completely in the dark on this. I know dev kits for the PS5 Pro went out last summer. I personally think GTA 6 will only run 60 FPS on that specific console. Oh, you don't even think they're going to let you do some kind of a dynamic downgrade and get 60 on the PS5 or the Series X? You think the Pro will be the only one? The PS4 Pro wasn't really that much of a power bump, says Feet on Land. The PS5 Pro specs seems to be a really big bump in power, so it'll make more of a difference. I think it'll sell out. It'll be dead stock quick. Yeah, that'll be the biggest concern is getting one. You know, that's obviously always my concern because as, as a streamer, you want to be you want to be early adoption. You want to be in there and be able to show off the stuff. Sony probably handed out the PS5 Pro specs to Rockstar as soon as they could, treating them like a first party studio. Yeah, I would think they'd be inclined to to play really, really nice with Rockstar. Probably safest to just say it will have hardware upscaling, hardware accelerated upscaling. Maybe it's because I'm adulting, says Raven, but I'm not as hyped for this as I should be. I was here for the PS4 Pro day one, um, but this time I feel nothing. Well, 
I wouldn't expect anybody to get that excited until they actually show us stuff. Like, right now, it all sounds like, yeah, I don't know. Like, when I hear 124K and I hear 68K, I'm like, what? I, I don't know, dude. That sounds like a dream that sounds like but too many people are saying it like a lot of folks are saying like that's what they've heard and it's like okay we'll see you know if they walk it out and they say you know all of our first party games are going to be dropping with new performance modes you know ratchet gets a new one and horizon and god of war and all of them. i mean that'll be a big deal to suddenly be playing spider-man and all these games at absurd performance levels Jim did say the partnership with Rockstar will continue with PS5. Detective C says, I think a lot of, um, it would have a lot of dips based on what we saw. I think the PS5 Pro will have the smoothest 60 FPS. It certainly is difficult anytime you do an open world game with that level of graphic, graphical fidelity. I mean, it's, it's always going to struggle. I mean, what was I playing recently where I feel like it didn't maintain a banishers really struggled in areas and it wasn't even like a huge game but they really tried to make it look pretty and there were open areas with lots of like if there were lots of trees um and there was like areas with like moving water and stuff it just yeah it struggled oh no another bloodborne remaster post eugene says i'm in the market for a second ps5 anyways easy decision to wait on the pro i'd be upgrading even if i didn't need a second if Spider-Man 2 Fidelity Mode can go from 40 FPS to 80 FPS, that's a huge jump in experience, says Zubair. Tot says, It is a dream. Nobody even has an 8K TV. I've never met a single person that has an 8K TV. There's a ton of 4K 120 TVs out there. Right, but do you think... Let's just imagine it's true. I'm not saying that it is. But let's just imagine that it's true. Do you think maybe they're doing that so they can be in the market in three years promoting 8K televisions and 8K games? I don't know what the timeline is for Sony's 8K dreams within the TV realm, but again, hypothetically, if they are in fact able to do it, if they are in fact doing it, then... Would, are they just trying to be the first? Like, is that the goal? Like, right now, you would be making games to leverage that so that 2028 rolls around and they're out here selling 8K TVs and 8K games. 4K is the ceiling, 8K is the movie house. I am of the opinion that going beyond 4K seems like why? Like, what's the point? But... I just, that's kind of the way that marketing and technology intersect. There's always that sense of, you gotta do more. You gotta increase it. You gotta give people more power. Sony 8K TVs are already out. They're just too niche at the moment. They won't be niche in a couple of years, says Parasito. 8K isn't the point. Imagine stability in the bells and whistles at 4K or lower. That's what I'm saying, Brian. I'm like, I don't care about 8K. You, you give me, you know, ray tracing and 60 FPS? Dude, I'm good. I don't need no 8K. I don't need any of that. Drop it to a rock-solid 1440 and give me everything. 
You know what I mean? I'm good with that, dude. You put the game at 1440 and it's at 60 or 120 and it doesn't budge and it's got ray tracing turned on and the, I mean if the game looks immaculate, bro, I don't need no 8K. I'll be I'll be good. I don't even need 120 if I'm honest. 60 I'm good with 60. I don't think I would want to adjust to 120 because there's still going to be games that come out that only hit 60 and I wouldn't want my eyes to like adjust to 120. I mean, you give me 14, 40, 60, and then just shove every bell, every whistle in the game that you feel like. PS5 already has 120 FPS uh, capable, says Takashi. Games will have to support it. Yeah, there's a couple that do 120. I, that's not even, I'm not even thinking it. I mean, I said it, but honestly, I, you give me 14, 40, 60, and you can do anything else you want. We've reached the ceiling for resolution. The next target should be frame rates. Man, Carl, I hope that that becomes the philosophy. I really do, because I, te- I, I completely agree with you. I was like, how, how high can the resolution go? You can only get so crisp, right? Like, what are, what are we even talking about? In 20 years, are we going to be talking about 16K? Like, What? My concern with shooting for 8K is that we see with basically all computers and apps and such, hardware gets better and they just pour more crap on top for performance and nothing ever runs faster. Right, Derek. That's always the concern is that you give them more power and they'll get drunk on it. They're like, oh, well, we got more power. We can do more. And it's like, can you can you not? Can you make sure it'll still give me 60 frames per second? You know what I mean? It's like... They get real. These guys, these guys get really excited. You know, they get really jazzed about all their, all their textures and ray tracing and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I want that game to run well. You know, I don't want it to look like a slideshow because you got excited. Regular or extra crispy graphics, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, regular or extra crispy. That's good. 1440 uh, go is the best sweet spot. 8K is a pipe dream. You'd need a massive TV and be super close. At that point, yeah, right? It almost becomes a buzzword. It's like, oh, 8K. And it's like, no one even cares about that. that, Well, not that nobody cares. The the vast majority of the public is going to be like, what the heck, 8K? You know how many people are going to say, I just bought a 4K television? Like, the average consumer is going to hear 8K, and that's going to be their response. They're going to be like, 8K? I just bought a 4K television, <laughs> and it looks great. A new controller? Um, I don't know. There's rumors about a new controller. Maybe that'll come baked in with the Pro. We heard the same things about 4K, says Eugene. That's true, We did. We did. Imagine a PS5 Pro can do 4K60 with ray tracing or 1440 with 120. Right, Jack. There you go. I would intentionally choose whatever would give me 60 FPS. Because again, I would be concerned if I start playing two or three games in a row at 120 and then all of a sudden it's time to go to play something at 60, it'll, it'll, it'll absolutely ruin you. It'll spoil your eyes. You'll be like, oh, this doesn't look as smooth. It's like the people that get accustomed to 60. We just You just can't go back to 30. I would intentionally always play games at 60. 
if these looks great at 4K60, super happy Sony fans will get to play this great game. Yeah, we haven't really touched on that. I put that at the end of the monologue. What do you guys think about that? It, we, we've got a pretty... I don't it It seems clear to me that multi-plat Xbox games... First-party Xbox games, they seem to they seem to be headed to multi-plat. The same team that helped bring Sea of Thieves to PlayStation Five is helping with Fable. Okay, so again, hypothetically, just for the sake of the discussion, let's say Fable lands day and date on both consoles. Okay, or or not. Let's just say maybe it comes a year later. Okay, maybe they still stagger the release dates. And there it is, Agent of Chaos. DK Baker is like, we're not going to sit there on 25 out of 25. He's like, not on my watch. The single gifted king of the castle. So if it, let's just say it comes a year later. Do you think the developers are going to want to tap into the cool stuff you can do on the PS5 Pro? Like, what's that look like? Do you think by the time that happens that anybody will even care? Will that even be a talking point anymore? Oh, this is a this is an Xbox studio that's uh, that the game runs better on a PS5 Pro. Like, will anybody even care at that point? Like, will it be so normal that like no one's even going to bat an eye? Like, I happen to think that people are very quick to just forget and move on. We saw that with the you know, the hardware promises for Series X. So, with the PS5 Pro in the market, you gotta wonder, you are, I would think, you're gonna wanna bring games over there and have them look pretty sweet. Right? Yo, a gifted member from Joker Quinn, thank you so much. You mean you? What are you saying, Wolf Saints? You want to vow to play Legendary Tales on VR2? Yeah, VR2's future's a little a little gray right now. It looked like it was doing better than the first, and I think that it was, but I just continue to think, as I've said many times, VR is a really, really tough... It's tough sell. You gotta buy extra hardware. The games aren't as big. They're not as, they're not as great. Um, it's hard to play VR for long play sessions. Like I have a MetaQuest three, I have a Pico four, I have a VR two, and I like it. But it's like you got to do it in short spurts. There's just so much working against VR being a profitable endeavor right now. What's your view on Pentiment getting a 120 FPS update on Xbox years after them, and they claimed it was a bug? Ah. <sighs> Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you you find a bug after two years, but let's imagine that that's true. That it was a bug. I could see it going unnoticed because was anybody leaving a review for that game and saying, uh, "I can't believe this is only sixty FPS." You know, it's like okay, it's possible that it was a bug that that I don't know how a bug perfectly caps the frame rate. 
but if it's a bug, I, you know, I could be compelled to believe that no one brought it up because nobody cared. Like, was anybody like, I cannot, I'm not getting 120 in Pentiment. No, nobody uttered that sentence. Nobody. So, whenever they went to port it, they combed over the optimization and somebody said, hey, in our initial testing phases and our tech tests and betas and alphas, we capped it at 60 just for the sake of testing and we never removed the cap. We can remove the cap now. You you see what I'm saying? Like, I could see an instance where that could happen. Where they just said, for the sake of testing, they capped it at 60, a sign- like, you know, I don't know, six years ago, five years ago, when they were testing and running betas and stuff. And they just never took it off, because you you didn't need to. And then when they go to port it, somebody says, oh, wait, hey, look, we, uh, we, we can take this cap off. We can, we can hit, we can hit 120. And they're like, oh, Xbox is capped. We should go remove that cap. Parasita says, forgetting to check a box on the compiler, compiler is a very real situation that they could have missed. I think the 120 FPS mode was supposed to release on Xbox at the same time as the PS5 version, but a bug prevented the mode from being implemented. Yeah, the way they talked about it just felt weird to me. That's why, I, like, my eyebrows kind of went up. I was like, what? Like, for two years, there's been a bug in the game? Uh-huh. But then I thought, well, nobody probably drew any attention to it because 60's plenty. Nobody's playing Pentiment and, and expecting 120. So, obviously, you know, the the trolls that love Sony had fun with it but I thought it was a nothing story it was a nothing burger so we have confirmation on what are the specs at this point in time we do not have confirmation on the PS5 Pro specs but what we do have is multiple insiders over the course of the last like year or so all continuing and starting even more so to say the same things. They're all saying the same things because they're all hearing the same things. But Lono, you can't see over 30 FPS, so why does 60 versus 120 matter? Parasito, I'm I'm gonna time you out for an entire day if you keep if you say that again. <laughs> if you say that again. <laughs> you will be banished to the Shadowlands. You you will have to talk in the Discord from from for the rest of the day if you if you keep that up. But we can't <laughs> we can't actually see above thirty FPS. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I want a bat with sixty FPS on it and be like, "Can you see this? Hopefully you can, because I'm gonna swing it at your." your dumb head (laughs) deprioritizing their core base in search of a new one what you saying Eugene it's hard for you to play VR for long periods the more you play it the longer you can endure I know people that play VR for 9 plus hours a day okay right Murph that's fair 
but don't you see that as a significant challenge for adoption, popularity, and consistent spending? Right? You know, everybody has an exercise bike that they're not riding anymore. I'm one of those people. I got, I got to get back on there. I always felt so much better when I was riding it. I got to get back on the bike. But you buy a VR and you're like, I can't play for very long. It's like, oh, don't worry. You can build up your endurance. What'd you say to me? This is video games. What do you mean build up an endurance? You know, <laughs> I'm trying to relax. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I love my VR too. I do. It's a fantastic piece of equipment. And I have really enjoyed my experiences. One of my favorite games last year was Synapse. But, you know, I always told you guys, before I enjoyed VR, people thought I was like a VR hater. I was never a VR hater. I always said, VR will struggle with mainstream adoption. Why? Extra purchase. Lots of people don't like it. It makes them feel weird. It's a smaller market share. It being a smaller market share means publishers aren't going to want to spend money in it. And if they do, they're going to spend a small amount of money in it, which means you will get less games. You will get less substantive games, which compounds the problem of getting consumer adoption. Like all those things are folding in on themselves. And it's like VR's like, come on. I think VR will stay in the fight. I just think it's 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 10 years before anybody really considers it being something they want to spend money on. You're always going to struggle with mainstream adoption. The VR2 was pacing better than the VR1, and it doesn't seem to have mattered. They don't seem to be... From the reports we've seen this morning, you're probably going to see... One thing I said last year, we need more first-party VR2 titles. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get that. You were a little condescending towards VR until you tried it. I was never condescending. I always said it will not be mainstream. And everybody always told me that I was out of my head and that it would be mainstream. And I was like, no, it won't. There's too many economical hurdles for it to become mainstream anytime soon. You're going to have to have some significant tech advancements to get people to put something on their face after spending extra money and hopefully they don't have any weird weird feelings because as soon as that happens they're done oh you were kidding I was like I was never condescending about VR I always spoke about it from an economical standpoint I was like there are so many economical barriers for VR and you know I applaud Sony for taking a crack at it but more than likely they're going to let the thing work on PC and they're going to lean on third party and last year, my biggest frustration with Sony and with PlayStation with respect to the VR2, the lack of quality control. You're not going to get people to buy into your VR when you're letting crappy ports of games come over and you got guys like me, early adopters, buying the games and being like, I, I can't even play it, it runs so bad, or it's so glitchy, I don't even want to play it. That's not. You're not going to get other people to buy into VR when you let people port over and they bring and they, the games that were bringing over were so bad they were not ready. That if, if if they had a chance of getting VR into a good place on their own, they needed their own property. They needed more of it, and they shouldn't have let all the third party stuff come over. PlayStation's likely done with the VR headset. No, I don't think they're done. I think they're I think they're adapting a PC strategy. That's all. 
they're going to adapt to PC strategy because that's another market where they can make money. They're trying to recoup costs. Now, I don't think they walk away from it entirely, but I think they're going to lean on third party. You're not going to see a bunch of uh, big VR first party games from them. You're just not. They, they're right now attempting to protect themselves and to protect margins. And the last thing they're going to do is go with the single least profitable efforts that they could set their sights on. And that would be VR. Like, imagine your PlayStation right now. And you got a PS5 Pro cooking. You got GTA 6 coming that potentially will help really put you into a strong position in the market. You've got first-party studios that have remained quiet for a while. And you just had to lay people off. Do you honestly think they're going to be like, yeah, dude, let's take some more cracks at our own VR games? No. If there's any first-party VR coming from PlayStation, they were already in the works. If they if they didn't just get canceled, I bet you a, a handful just got canceled. Because one of the studios that got shut down wasn't like the primary thing they did was VR for, for, for PSVR 2. The Twisted Metal live service game that was in development by Fire Sprite has been canceled. Yeah, I told folks, I said, those 12 live service games they promised us, I said, I bet you we get six of them. And it's almost exactly that number that have been canceled or shoved back so far that they might as well be canceled. You ain't getting the 12. I told y'all, I was like, we are not getting these 12 games. They were way too ambitious. You're going to get six. And that's about how many you're going to get. And the rest are getting canceled. Or again, delayed so far that they might as well be canceled. Profit and loss don't factor into an emerging market R&D. I'm not talking about an emerging market in R&D, Eugene. I'm talking about creating first-party VR2 games. If you're PlayStation right now and you're trying to cut cost, the VR2 teams are the first to go. Because... What are they doing for you at that point? If you again think think within the realm of business, if you're trying to cut costs, they're the least likely to generate profit for you. They're the least likely. If they're hitting insomniac with layoffs and you're on a VR2 team, dude, I'd be looking, I'd be updating my resume. Oh, you weren't talking to me. Okay. I thought you were talking to me. Yeah, if you're on a PSVR2 team that's owned by Sony, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be very concerned because if they're hitting Insomniac with layoffs, then th- this was an absolute necessity. You don't hit some of your your best and most profitable studios with layoffs unless you absolutely have to. I don't want to cannibalize that show if we end up doing that show, but it's kind of on the subject of like hardware and the because one of the things that people brought up with the PS5 Pro is they're like, well, what's it going to do for the VR two? <laughs> Probably nothing after what happened today. VR was given an artificial bump by the pandemic. Um, I don't know. Maybe. People bought into... Tech sales soared. Yeah, Zuby. Tech sales were soaring because everybody was at home. Right? So it's like, I'm going to be doing a lot here. So it's time for a new TV. You know, I'm going to be doing a lot here. It's time to get a gaming console. You know, I, 
I could see that. I could see the 2020 and the sicky and everybody having to stay at home help helping VR get a bit of a bump because people are like, well, you know, I'm going to be at home, so I might as well, you know, let's try out this VR thing. It's possible. Gaming in general got a bump. Yeah, so all things attached probably got a bump. I bought like seven guitars. It was a strange time. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, humans humans are going to do strange things when they're cooped up and, you know, things feel uncertain, you know? The shiny new thing in the box makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. <clears throat> VR definitely did, especially for VR flight sim market. The PS5 Pro is going to sell like hotcakes. Yeah, I don't think the PS5 Pro demand is going to be a problem at all. I think we're going to see a big shift in in what Sony decides to do. They re-emphasized in the letter that they're going PC, uh, they're going, uh, I'm sorry, they're going PlayStation, PC, and mobile. So all the people that were like, oh, they're going day and date, they're going multiplat, they're going third-party publisher. No, they just reiterated what they're going to do. They're going to go PlayStation, PC, mobile. So I think you're going to start to see more games come to PC faster. And I said this before. I said, you will see that window back up. Do you want to know why I said that? I always argued the economics of it. It makes way more sense to bring your game to PC faster to make more money. Do you think people want to sit around and wait for two to two and a half to three years to play Spider-Man 2? No, they don't. You're going to have to start bringing them to PC faster. The PC boys are going to get tired of that. They're like, what are you doing? And then demand goes down, sales goes down, your profit goes down. I said that. I said, if you looked at what Herman Holst said, it was like, oh, the earliest it'll ever be is 12 months. And I'm thinking, yeah, they're going to back it all the way up to 12 months. And even then, they're going to be prepared to at least do day and day with live service games. So that line is moving back. Yo, what's good, Kirk? Went with the white Japanese art graphic tee instead of black. Getting pretty wild. You know, after what you said, Kirk, I kind of took it personal. So I, you know, no, actually, this was literally just next in line on the rack. Like, I put them on a rack in order of when I wear them. So I'm like, oh, it's been the longest since I've worn this one. Maybe. I don't know if I did that right. I think I pulled from the correct side. Maybe I didn't. So as they come out of the laundry, they get hung up in that order so that, you know, yeah. This guy says all I wear is black graphic tees. I have at least four white ones, okay? I bought slippers during the pandemic as I realized my ground floor floors are really hard and feet are soft. Zubair says, Lono, if the PS5 Pro performs according to the rumors, this PC boy will have no reason to wait for PC ports anymore. So you could take that argument, could you not, Zuby? And as I've said many times, when we get to the PS6, I think PlayStation games drop day and date on PC. Because when you get to the PS6, by the time you get there, the vast majority of the PC audience, you are not going to be like, oh, the games run so much better on most PCs. You'll have front-of-the-way PC adopters for sure that have like the absolute best. And they're like, oh, we get you know, slightly better resolutions, textures, and graphics, and we're on an open system. We don't got to come to a closed system. We don't have to pay for online, you know, all of that. 
but the closer you can get the line, especially to the middle of the of the PC power pack, then there's no threat to doing day and date. There isn't. Imagine being a PlayStation 5 Pro owner and they start marketing PS6 games. And you see performance of a PS6 game on a PS6 and on a mid-level PC. Are you going to be compelled to buy the PS6 or the mid-level PC? I that That's like such an easy question to answer. I don't think you'll see people leave console if performance can be that close. The quality of the fidelity mode ray tracing in Spider-Man 2 is enough to satisfy me. I sound like a junkie. You and all your path tracing, dude. You just want that path tracing injected into your veins. You don't see them putting PC games on PC faster? Oh, I it's for sure coming. It doesn't it it won't it won't surprise me in the least when it starts to happen. I I always argued that again, I always argue that purely from the finances of it. It just made sense to me. It was like you're you're going you're you're going to maximize your profit. It's what these companies do. That's that's what they're going to do. They're not going to sit by and say, "Oh no, wait, put the game on PC 2 years later." You can make more money if you do it faster. So, I think they're going to move that line back. And I think Hell Divers 2 is part of the equation. I think they saw with a live service game that, hey man, if your game explodes and is really popular and everybody's talking about it, it's really great to be in two places at once. It's That's great. What an advantage that is. You know, imagine yeah, Spider-Man 3 comes out and it's insane. And it's getting great reviews. And it's on PC at the same time. You're, you're, the sales just... It, the, the compounding effect of that word of mouth hitting two platforms and the review scores. And especially when something kind of has virality, like the way that Helldivers has virality. I just think they're looking at that market and saying, we, we've, we can't wait so long to go over there. Zubair says, it's the thing I keep saying, high-end PC needs to be an order of magnitude better to incentivize me to wait. If the console is 90% of the experience, then I'm not waiting. I don't expect Sony first-party games to ever go full path tracing like Cyberpunk or Alan Wake, so that limits the PC potential. Have they said if they will make the PS5 Pro ugly as sin like the PS5? Yeah, I think they're going to stick to their Wi-Fi router, you know, model. I think they're going to make it look like a Wi-Fi router again. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I think that's quite literally part of the like the reason the PlayStation 5 looks the way that it does. I think they want it to look not like a like a boxy. You know what I'm saying? I think they want it to look kind of weird I think that's on purpose I you don't design something like that by accident there's thought that goes into it because it's like if you look at the older models it's like they're very boxy they look like you know the 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 PS the, the older PlayStation models they look like DVD players 
I think the PS5 Pro is I think the PS5 is ugly. Like I said, it looks like a Wi-Fi router. <clears throat> a five spot from Vol. Suppose the PS5 hits 4K 120 with AI. Owning a PC with worse ports and user experience will be hard to justify, especially if it's five five hundred seven hundred dollars. Well, the pattern of PlayStation ports have been quite good, though. Kira He with a gifted member. Thank you so much for taking us to 28 members on the day. Guys, if you're enjoying the content, the easiest way to support it is to smash the like button. That helps the video find more people on YouTube. If you can afford your own membership, click that join button and pick the $6 member tier. It gets you into a bunch of extra content. It gets you into our members-only Discord. So consider, consider supporting the channel directly with a membership. If not, plenty of people gift members. I've already gifted five today that I owe yeah I think the pattern has been actually pretty good for PlayStation ports the vast majority of them have been good the PlayStation 1 port was bad and I again feel like that was a fluke they were trying to capitalize on the popularity of the TV and for whatever dumb reason they decided to use Iron Galaxy So I, I think that's part of the that's part of the equation of as I've said a lot lately, day and date or landing on PC sooner is not a threat to console distribution or console demand for Sony because you you've established your library and if you go to where do consumers go to buy this stuff, right? They're gonna go to Amazon, they're gonna go to Best Buy, and if you go into those places and you're comparing a you know a $600 PS5 Pro or a $600 PS6. If you're comparing that to the gaming rigs that these companies sell, you're not going to be able to justify spending more money to leave behind your ecosystem. That's what people always forget when this discussion comes up because they're thinking like the super hyper informed guy that can go to you know PC part picker and build a rig and really get every every ounce of power out of his out of every red cent that he spends. The average consumer is not going to do that. They're going to draw a comparison. They're like, okay, well, you know, Spider Man Three, it's hitting PlayStation Six, but it's also hitting PC. What what's it going to cost to get me a gaming PC? And they're going to go to Amazon and you know they're going to go to Best Buy and they're going to be like, oh, I don't want to spend that amount of money. I can buy the PlayStation 6 for $600. The consumer's going to go for the lower price at that point. They're not going to suddenly double their out, output of spending. And especially if when they're, if there are gameplay reveals, if there are trailers, if they have breakdowns about games, and you're like, here's Spider-Man 3 on a PS6, here's Spider-Man 3 on a mid-level PC. And if they look the same, again, to the average consumer you're going to have to have a vast difference to impress them. The average consumer is going to be like, they look the same. We know this to be true. You know that the average gamer isn't thinking the way that we think about this. They don't know if there's a frame per second difference or ray tracing or resolution. So the difference would have to be absolutely stark for that to create like a threat of, oh, there's a threat of exodus. People are going to leave playstation and go to cons uh, i'm sorry they're going to leave a uh, console and go to pc i just i think that's probably why pc uh, uh playstation's willing to do it i think that's why they're willing to include mobile because who's going to leave their console to go to mobile nobody's going to do that either 
it's too big of a jump. It's too different. It's like, why would you do that? Mobile gamers are very different. Another five spot from Vol. Not just Sony ports, but third party. Last year was rough. Listen, man. That touches on the topic yesterday. You know, exclusives are bad. Building for one system is uh, is arbitrary and gatekeeping. And it's like, is it though? Because these multi-plats, I don't know. They don't have a great track record right now. The PC guys, it doesn't surprise me that they're grumpy about a lot of this stuff. Because they're... They're consistently getting... I mean, if like, let's imagine right now that I only played games on a PC. Do you know how angry I would be about Jedi Survivor? It's still... It still is not in a good place. Jedi Survivor Steam. It has a 66% on Steam. Both overall and in the last 30 days. A 66%. Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor are some of my favorite games. They're some of my favorite Star Wars story. And if I was only gaming on PC, I'd be livid. You made this game, you brought it to PC, and you basically abandoned it. Now, that might tell you a little bit something about you know the AAA and priority and PC as a platform and what they think about it but (laughs) I'd be absolutely furious they have every right to be furious because you can't change it you can't change the reality when they make games for multiple systems we're commonly seeing that we're commonly seeing unless you're like Capcom we're commonly seeing that the PC gets the short end of the stick. I don't think PC players are just console players with more steps. The worldview tends to be larger than just console ports. It's more, that sucks than I'm livid. I'm not sure what you mean, Zubair. Console is the set it and forget it approach, too. If the performance is jank, you basically accept it. If it's jank on my PC, admittedly, I'll spend a lot of time trying to work around. Yeah, I guess. You'll definitely squeeze out better performance, but that's still another time sink. Did I Survivor now on PC uh PS5 performance still sucks? I thought performance was fine. When they fixed performance mode, it was like playing a different game. I beat the whole, I played through the whole game, I beat it. I wouldn't touch it, it was so bad. And after the after they put out the patch, I was like, yeah, let's go. Uh, Hideo Kojima with high praise for Moon Knight the artwork, the world, the direction, the pacing it's unlike any hero movie I've ever seen Oscar Isaac exceeded in taking on this difficult role excellent casting, I'm looking forward to seeing more yeah I thought Oscar Isaac did not get enough praise for what he did in Moon Knight, I thought he was at I, I thought he and Ethan Hawke were brilliant I, I thought that I thought they were brilliant I didn't get enough praise. I don't know what though. I don't know why it got like lukewarm reception, but I thought I thought Oscar's his performance was probably one of the best that we've gotten in a Marvel show personally. As far as like acting chops. 
Lona, you're a console-focused gamer. When you imagine yourself on PC, you still have that set of preferences. I think actual PC players are different, or they would not be PC players. Okay, but here's the thing, Zubair. What I was getting at was, if I was just primarily a PC gamer, as a fan of the Jedi games, the state of Jedi Survivor... I would be infuriated. Be like, what the heck is going on? What? Why can't we get an update? That, that's not because I'm a console gamer with console preferences. That's because I have standards. They're just allowed to sell a game and leave it? It's just at a 66%. They just abandoned it. They're not doing anything. When's the last time they even updated it? Or sent out a tweet? Do they even do that on Steam for their games? View recent news and announcements. They did a patch on January 11th and they called it a small update. Prior to that, there was a patch in October. They did a patch in October and then they don't do anything all the way until January and then January is a small update. Get out of here. PC players aren't mad about that? I hear what you're saying about Survivor. I guess I was pushing back on the idea that PC gamers are really down about ports in general. I mean, that's what they're saying, Zuby. That's what they're saying. I see them saying it in my chat. I see them saying it on Twitter. How how many of these PC guys, like, they're consistently calling out the bad ports and the poor quality that they've been getting. I, I don't know. I mean... That isn't to say that you're not getting good stuff. Cyberpunk was phenomenal. Alan Wake was phenomenal. The Spider-Man port was phenomenal. You know, I'm not saying that you didn't get good stuff. I'm just saying that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the PC guys consistently complain about the fact that they get bad ports and they get bad versions of games. And then I saw what they did to Jedi Survivor and I'm like, dude, I am so glad that's not where I primarily game. A two-spot from Forget Me Not. Has Sony's strategy changed with the game of service layoffs? I don't think their strategies changed. I think they shrunk what they're wanting to do. I told people a couple of months ago, I said, you're not going to get 12 live service games from PlayStation. You're going to get six. We're going to get six if we're lucky. I said they were going to trim all that back. They got way too ambitious. There's no way you're going to get 12. Derek says, I view it like this. Gaming is a hobby. Serious PC gaming equals two hobbies. That's not a criticism, but I think it's an important aspect of the discussion that sometimes is left out. I mean, I think that's well stated. The PC guys both enjoy gaming and they also enjoy tinkering. Like, they like both. I have, like, no desire to tinker. When someone's like, well, you can order a new this or a new that and pull it out and put it in. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Nope. No. I, I, I absolutely recoil at the idea of like, oh, you can buy the hardware and do it yourself. Nope. Mm-mm. I'm good. I don't have any desire to do that. The amount, of, the amount of troubleshooting I do is rebooting it. That's about as far as I'll go with something. If I ever have to troubleshoot something with the stream or I can't get something to work, dude, my blood boils about two seconds after I start doing it. Like, did it work? No, I'm angry. Like, that's just my disposition. That's just my personality. I have no patience for technology. None. 
It's like, does it work? No, I'm angry. Like, that's the transaction of time. That's how long it takes. So, the... The mindset of somebody who looks at it like a puzzle. They're like, well, I can figure this out. And I can... What if I change this? And what if I change that? And maybe if I... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You slammed my head in a car door. I don't want to do that. Nope. I got things to do. Books to read. Games to play with my kids. To hear and piddle around with hardware. No, thank you. I'm not cut from that cloth. And so the people that are, maybe their tolerance of problems and games and bugs and trying to solve things, maybe their tolerance is higher because they're like, oh, I'll figure this out on my own. You know, I'll figure out how to get it to run good on my rig. You know? Sony lays off 900 people today. Their stock is dipped. Sony is in trouble. So is every company in trouble? I think that's going to be a, a theme this year. I don't think the industry's in trouble. I think the industry's stabilizing. Everybody overhired and mushroomed up. All the analysts I read said this year will be worse than last year. And then they'll slowly rehire. So what will happen is 2025 will be the year where they do incremental hiring and expanding. And then it'll stabilize. It'll hit equilibrium. You can't account for the oddity of 2020 and 2021. Like that's not planning that people, they didn't have like a calendar plan for that. They all, they all, everybody overreacted. Everybody overhired. I don't think there's any concern or worry about any of the companies that are laying off and seeing their stocks their stocks fluctuate or go down. We've been here before. It's always a sky is falling. You know, Sony's in trouble. Sony's done. And it's always completely overstated. They're stupid for overhiring. I don't know if it's as simple as just saying they're stupid for overhiring and they shouldn't do it. A lot of it was responding to demand and potential growth, right? So it's upsetting to see people get laid off, but in the midst of, and this is where I struggle with, I've got empathy fatigue because we don't know these people. So the whole posturing on Twitter I don't know. It always feels pretty vacant. It just feels like an easy thing to say. The ability to feel empathy for thousands of people that we don't know. I don't know if that's even a a possibility, but let's imagine that it is. You're going to hit empathy fatigue. But I also think in 2020, people lost their entire livelihoods, their businesses, and their houses, and the tech sector was blowing up. So a bunch of people got hired, and a bunch of people got to make a living for the last four years while everybody else is putting their lives back together and they're getting laid off and dumped into an economy that's not nearly as scary as 2020 was and for all intents and purposes as things stabilize they'll land, they'll land in other places right like I think this this sky is falling everything's bad oh these poor employees like you can, we can all say that on Twitter and you can you can yell at these corporations and call them scum and say that the C-suites are trash and it's like 
this is just literally how it goes. A global situation happened. Tech was going to have an explosion of demand and consumer wants. They reacted, and now they're stabilizing from it. Because as things are settling down, consumers will buy less. Consumers will spend less. And guess what happens? When that happens, you have to adjust. So to the same degree that they adjusted in 2020 and 2021, they're adjusting now. I just, it, it, I feel like a bunch of people want to turn it into this. They're evil for doing this. And I find that narrative tiring. I just find that narrative tiring. Like, even when we covered the layoffs at, at uh, Activision Blizzard, it was never, oh, you're evil, you're terrible. It was, this is exactly what we all said would happen from a major acquisition, right? And this is exactly what happens when you overhire. This is exactly what happens when an unforeseen global pandemic happens and the tech sector reacts to insane potential growth and demand. Horizon Online didn't get cut. Yeah, like, and it's not like, oh, everybody did it, so it's ever, so it's totally fine. It's, are we really going to try and morally grandstand every single time there's layoffs? It just that that to me is what's tiring. It's like, do we really have to do this? We all have to fake some sort of like moral indignance at businesses doing what's basically completely and utterly necessary. Was ever was anybody mad at them for hiring in 2020 and 2021? Was anybody angry about that? Like people are losing their livelihoods. Restaurants are closing down. People are having to sell their homes because their entire lives have been detonated by the fact that nobody can leave their homes and the tech sector is booming. Yeah, nobody, nobody cared then. I don't know. I don't know if I'm cannibalizing a show or talking myself out of doing one. people forget that interest rates have risen a ton following the pandemic these companies took big bets and they have to pay the piper now get ready for some idiot to take that comment chop it up and twist it on twitter I don't care you can keep padding my metrics with free advertisement. It doesn't bother me. We don't pay any attention to it anymore. For players who are mining super credits, we have deployed a fix to our back end that should solve the issue. Please restart your game to ensure that has taken effect. Oh, missing, not mining. For players who are missing super credits. Hey, when layoffs are used as an instant fix for money issues. Economies and industries are always bouncing around uh, a set point that is also always moving. These are dynamic systems. They are constantly correcting. Lives are destroyed and the rich and powerful got more rich and powerful. Well, nobody if, like voluntarily destroyed restaurant businesses. Yo, another get to from Kirahi. 
we lost our best pizza joint in town and it was like it was incredibly sad but like what are you gonna do there wasn't some greedy corporation that did that it was the nature of what took place you know it wasn't like hey we're, you were shutting you down okay I'm hearing that people will know whether or not they've been laid off by 3pm today okay Yo, good morning, Lobo. Mm. Yeah. I'm spamming because I don't know if it works this way, Lono, but maybe they're making room for Arrowhead. Um... They they said they were going to spend more in acquisitions this year. I don't think that's going to change. I think it might take different appearances. I don't know if they're going to want to take on acquisitions that are laden with risk. And then and then you have to do what they're doing right now, which is lay people off and shut studios down. I don't know if they're going to want to do that. I think they're looking for partnerships and maybe acquiring IP license as opposed to acquiring a studio I think the last time we talked about this that was what people said they analyzed the statement about the increase in acquisitions and it looked more like they're going to be looking at IP licensing as opposed to like gobbling up studios because if you're if if you're going through what they're going through right now the last thing you're going to want to do is turn around like buy another studio so they still might want Arrowhead, but I think if they lock up the Helldivers IP, that both helps Arrowhead and helps PlayStation not suddenly take on a bunch of more risk. Sony buying Arrowhead. I mean, there were rumors that they they want to, but it was from a very, very unreliable source. So I think that was just somebody making something up. I thought they would. I thought, oh, they'll do it by the end of the year. And they avoided major layoffs last year, but now they're doing some. They already own the Helldivers 2 IP. Right, so if they own the IP, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll just leave it as it is then and not feel any reason to do that. So if they have the IP locked down, then we knew they were going to be doing some trimming because of the Insomniac leaks. Insomniac was looking at like what 25 or 35 people, which is not dire or scary, but it's a reality of what's going on right now. Helldivers didn't succeed because of the IP. It succeeded because of the people that made that game. What was London Studios' last game? I don't know. I'm not sure. If we do that show, that's something that I would want to look into. Like, um... You know, did they look at a comp- Did they look at a studio that had uh, low to no output, low to no profitability? I don't know. I don't know what they 
what exactly their um, their 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 decision making was like. The original Helldivers already had a cult following, so that did help. Yeah, I had never heard it put this way. I had never heard it put put this way, but and I don't know if I agree with him, but Thrash said that he thinks Helldivers 2 is being successful on PC because it's basically like a tower defense game. And I don't know if I agree with that or not. Like I wonder if it does scratch some of those that that itch of like there's enemies coming out of everywhere and you're having to hold your ground and you're dropping stuff from the sky like that certainly does and the, and again they did they took a top down twin stick shooter that had tower defense elements in it but I don't know if I agree with that or not I don't know if that's why I feel like it's doing really really well because I don't it's a double cheeseburger I just, I don't know. To me, it's just, it's something that people want and like, and they don't need it explained to them. You know? I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree with what he was saying. I'd never heard anybody describe it that way. And I was like, yeah, I could see some of the similarities, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's why it's being, it's popular on PC. I think it's popular on PC for two reasons. There was an existing group of people that liked it there and the game went viral. You know? The game suddenly was everything everybody was talking about it I worked for the Microsoft store says Dark City they sent us a text with a secure links to an internal site that stated you were cut so nuts oh th- yeah when you do this level of layoffs it's not going to ever be quick I'm, I'm sorry it's not going to be handled with like it's not going to be gentle. It's just going to be a, an absolute... It's just going to be a blade that cuts across. And it, you know. It's cold and it's awful. <laughs> like, there's no other way to say it. That level of that level of letting people go, it's cold and it's awful. There's a trend right now on the Tickety Talk of they let people go over like a video call or like a conference audio call and they won't tell them why and like you see these people getting really upset and really angry that they won't be given a reason why and it's like there isn't a reason why you're asking a question that has no answer like what did I do I didn't do is it, no, it's not your fault that's both comforting and not comforting at the same time. It's like, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything. It's not like you're getting sacked because you were bad. It's, yep, this came down from the top. We have to cut this much and we're basing it off of uh, redundancy and tenure and other factors that have absolutely nothing to do with you and your performance. A five spot from Silent Spartan says, I think the pro is going to do big numbers. Yeah, again, I don't know if we're cannibalizing, uh, you know, a show about the uh, about the layoffs, but maybe to bring it back to the PS5 Pro, we didn't really even debate this. How do you think how do you think Xbox is going to handle bringing big 
potentially bringing big titles to PS5 and PS5 Pro with respect to any any semblance of parity. Like, do you think in a couple of years, do they care if there are like video comparisons and, you know, Fable or Blade or I don't know, any of these titles? Do you think they care if they're running better on a PS5 Pro? Like, is that going to be... Like, is parody even going to be a discussion anymore? I guess would be my question. Was Baldur's Gate 3 sort of the beginning of the end of that, even as a concept? It's like... They didn't have a problem giving PC better specs and performance. Right. I thought Wooly did such an excellent job in that video that I tweeted. He was like you haven't been getting games built for your box because you've been getting games built for the Xbox console and PC. Right? Like, I I thought that was so insightful. Like, I had never thought about that before. It's like, what are you really upset about? You're not actually losing titles that were made specifically for your console. They're just adding one more platform in addition to PC. Why would they care to do the same for PlayStation? They already did it, said Eugene. Zubair says, one more PS5 Pro detail we didn't bring up. It's supposedly a six, what is that, nanometer chip, NM chip, which means same as the PS5, which means not a node with limited production capacity. They should not be as scarce as the PS5 was. Like, they can use an old factory to build these and don't have to build new factories to build the chips for these. I really hope you're right, Zuby. That would be so great if I could just easily click buy and it shows up at my house. Like I don't you know what I'm saying? This whole waiting in line and scalpers getting them first, that, that's for the birds. I do not want to go through that again. If they're defocusing console sales, then I don't think parity will matter. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I don't even know if that'll be a discussion point. Like, it's they've abandoned so many talking points. Like, that'll just be one more. Because with the PS5 Pro in the market, why would you not tap into it? Why would you not do more? If you've got, like, a really awesome, beautiful game... Like, let's say Hellblade 2 comes to PlayStation a year later. You don't think they're going to tap in to if they can do more with ray tracing, if they can do more with frames per second resolution and performance on the PS5 Pro, you don't think they're going to take advantage of that? What's the porting company supposed to do? No, 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 don't do that. If they use a porting company or if they use the developers themselves. Zubair says, it's a way for Sony to save a ton on production costs. We'll have scalpers day one, but it won't take two years to catch up. Troll Troll says, parody will be non-existent. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I think that'll, I think that'll be another factor of the PS5 Pro hitting the market, is that when games come over... They'll there'll be there'll be no insistence anymore on parity or priority or any of that. Not at all. 
If Xbox does a handheld, do you think it'll do well? I mean, I'm interested in it, especially if the Surface team is helping with it, because I think they could actually do a really, really good um, handheld. Uh, but it remains, to, I think it remains to be seen if, um, if that's what they plan on doing. You know, I think that the the dilemma the dilemma of a handheld would be does anybody want it because there's so many handhelds in the market i think that'd be the biggest dilemma is wouldn't it be more advantageous for them to just make stuff and put them on handhelds instead of trying to have their own handheld but i think there's a tension point there i think it'd be great i think their surface team does good work i think it could be fun it would be fun to have them enter that market and then that would put pressure, I think from a competitive standpoint, that would put pressure on PlayStation to have a true handheld, which we're hearing rumors that they're working on one as well. And with the demand of the PS5, uh, I'm sorry, with the PlayStation Portal, demand continuing to exceed their expectations, then they could also see a lot of good, a lot of good potential for uh, a handheld. And if Microsoft, again, is entering that market and trying to have their own handheld, then I think that that puts the the kind of competitive pressure on PlayStation to make sure they have one as well. Like, if that becomes a market expectation from the consumer that you should have your own handheld or I should be able to play your games on a handheld, I think that could be... I think that could be good for us because there are people that love handhelds and then that's when you get tech innovation and tech advancements because they want theirs to be the best so that's when you see partnerships with uh, you know the chipset companies and the people that are developing the screens uh, and the people that are developing the, the batteries that's when you start to see those things start to align when you have companies especially like Microsoft with the deep pockets saying we want a killer you know piece of hardware in, in this footprint and this is going to be our, you know, we, we want a competitive edge. We want ours to be better on, you know, who knows, uh, screen size, screen resolution, battery life, uh, you know, performance. I think that's why the the hardware battle, the hardware battle for me was specifically frustrating for that reason, because it looked like Series X and the PS5 Pro were going to go head to head. And that benefits us when they're battling on a power narrative that benefits us then both there you, you have that sense of we got to be out here pushing power we got to be out here pushing pushing better performance and pushing better graphics well then then the, the consumer benefits from that i didn't benefit from them deciding to do a two-tier system and abandoning the power narrative that didn't do anything for me that that was basically a point of disappointment and criticism for me last year and PlayStation's continuing to go down the track of these are the things I value as a consumer. Give me a hardware update. Give me better performance. Give me better graphics. Like I want the games to look and run better with a priority for me personally on running better. I prefer games to be like, like I said, 1440 and then you can do anything else you want as long as I'm getting 60. You give me 60 FPS, I don't care what you do. You want to turn on eight different levels of ray tracing. You want to do things with texture and and fog and and, and lighting and, and draw distance. I don't care. If I'm getting 60 FPS, like obviously I don't want the game to look like garbage. 
Haven't we all been expecting a mobile device to become an all-in-one supercomputer? Gaming getting there first wouldn't be surprising. It's very focused. In 10 years, your phone will be an all-in-one. And see, I think that's important to point out is that these companies keep saying they want to push into mobile. Okay? I think there's two things going on there. I think they want to push into mobile, but mobile gamers are very different than... PC and console gamers. They play very different types of games. So the mobile devices getting stronger and better and starting being able to play games like Assassin's Creed and other games, that could create an environment where it puts pressure on your console makers and your, you know, your hardware makers to have really, really good handhelds. Because you don't want someone to be able to say, well, I'm just going to go play the game on my iPhone. It, well, you you want to be able to say, no, our handheld's better, stronger, bigger, faster, whatever the case may be. That could create that, we, yeah, we want to invest in mobile, and they're talking about two different things. They want games to be landing on mobile devices, but they probably also want to have a presence on handhelds as well. I wonder if internally, when they say mobile... Are they thinking both mobile phones and handhelds? Do they do they categorize a handheld as a mobile push? Because if they do, I think we benefit from that. You don't see Sony's uh, at least supporting a handheld long term. You know, it's it just remains to be seen if the market demands it and they can and they can sell it and it's good for them and it keeps you in their ecosystem and if they can make. Or if they can make some profit or close to profit or break even, right? You that's the biggest problem with the handheld is price point. You know, do they want it? What if it's a loss lead? What's it's a lo- what's it a loss lead for? If they're selling them at a loss, what's it a loss lead for? If you're already in their ecosystem and you're already buying their games, you know why would they be willing to lose money on a handheld for you? unless they saw some sort of sector of the market that they think they can get into their ecosystem with the handheld, I I just don't know. Destin asking the question, if these companies decided to raise the price of games and consoles when they were having their most profitable years ever, where are we going from here? Um, up. Yeah. Everybody tells me that I'm anti-consumer and pro-corporation when I simply speak in facts. I've said for a very long time that we do not pay enough for games. According to inflation, we get significantly larger games for a fraction of what we used to spend. For a fraction of what we used to spend. According to inflation, when you were buying video games back in the day, you were spending anywhere from 100 to 120 dollars of today's dollars, right? And the bump up to 70, you know, causes all this complaint and all this whining. And it's like I I have been saying for years, the budgets are too big, the games are too expensive, the margins are too razor thin. And then when we see layoffs and we see prices going up, everybody wants to do surprise Pikachu face. It's like, no, you were in denial all these years, all these years. Everybody was in denial about the fact that like these companies are just greedy, you know? And it's like, well, no, anybody who's done any sort of analysis of the economics of video game creation has said, this 
is unsustainable. Whether it's Jason Schreier with his book or Sean Layden. How many people have to tell us it's not sustainable and they don't charge enough before people suddenly realize maybe these people are actually telling the truth? Maybe constantly advocating for not buying games or beating up companies for wanting to make more money, maybe maybe advocating for that is is not helping. You know. The the idea that we we shouldn't be spending more on games or more on hardware, nothing should go up in price, you know, like the only industry where the consumer thinks price should be immune to inflation, which is hysterical. And in the midst of inflation, you've also have rising costs and bigger budgets and bigger studios. And you think games should just stay at $60 for forever. Well, being a doe-eyed dum-dum isn't admirable. And now all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe there's layoffs. I can't believe prices are going up. I can't believe that games are taking a longer time to come to market. Uh, you know, all these things, they should, they're not surprising. Three, almost three years ago, well, no, it'll be in September, when we started streaming over here on Reforge Gaming, I wanted to do a show where I basically was going to argue that games are not expensive enough. And Creature told me no. He's like, don't do that. (laughs) He's like, we're trying to make friends. We're not doing that show. (laughs) But it was a common piece of feedback that I gave to people. You know, I said, listen, I don't think games are, they're not, they're not, they're not high enough price. It doesn't make any sense when you read when you read the the reports and the analysis and the books and the articles. You read it all, and it's like, yeah, man, it's it's getting more and more expensive, and companies are having a hard time making their margins. It's like, well, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to find out ways to protect their margins because if they don't protect their margins, then they'll disappear. Like, go ahead and open up a business. Just do a real small business. Open up a business doing lawn care, right? And, you know, let's say your annual operating income for your lawn care business is, you know, $250,000. That's your annual operating costs for you and however many people and however many trucks and however much gas you got to buy and maintenance and, and on tools and upkeep on your equipment. Okay, let's just say that's your operating costs, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. And... In that given year, you come to find out you're going to generate $300,000. Well, that's scary because you generated $50,000 in profit, right? You're going to figure out a way to protect that. If you're trying to pay to make ends meet and you know, provide for your family, you're going to probably either you know let people go. You got a couple people on salary you know, that are a part of that $250,000 every year of your operating costs, you're going to let those people go. Because you're going to say, if, if we can't hit better margins than this, then what am I doing? I'm not, I'm not, I can't live off of this. Like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. So I'm supposed to take on, you know, what, as a company, what are you going to take on debt? To be nice? Your company won't be around. 
you won't be a company. Q&A today? Oh yeah, we need to switch over to it. Eugene says, how can we expect giant games if we're not willing to pay for them? 70-60 is a good baseline, but some need to be more expensive. Exactly. Can we get 15 more likes on the video? Let's get 300 likes on the video. We are uh, about 20 members away from the 50 uh, 50 members on the day. I'll gift another 5 if we get there. I am going to turn the chat into members only. Um, Let me do that now. This is your opportunity to turn this into a gaming AMA. Ask me anything. It can be anything about gaming. I think the idea that all games, you know, are 60 or $70 and one game you can buy it and you play through the campaign and it's somewhere between 20 and 30 hours and another game you can buy for 60 or 70 bucks and you can easily play it for 150 hours and they're both the same price. If you want your games to sell more, make better games. It's as simple as that. That's just pure reductionism. That's not, you're not saying anything. It's not a matter of your game will automatically sell more if it's a better game, right? Sometimes perfectly good games just don't sell enough because the market doesn't want it, right? Like Immortals of Avium, that was a perfectly fine game. There was nothing dramatically wrong with it. It wasn't like abysmal or or a piece of trash or garbage. The market didn't want it. The market didn't respond to it, right? There are plenty of games that come to market and you wouldn't describe them as like, garbage or trash or you know well why why in the world did they make this yeah there are plenty of games that come to market and the consumers just say yeah we didn't want this yeah i mean alan wake 2's commercial success was was hindered quite a bit because they didn't do a physical release there was a couple of a uh, couple of articles about that alan wake 2 gets awards gets nominated gets all this praise and their their commercial success was seemingly lower than what I expected it to be. Yeah, Kill the Justice League comes out and the fans are like, we don't want this. This isn't a game that we asked for. Game runs fine, optimized well, lots of content, lots of things to do, and the market says, we don't want this. So it's not as simple as like, well, just make a good game and then it'll sell. It's like, well, plenty of games come out and you could describe them as, well, it's a, it's good or it's not terrible. It's not trash. And the market just says, yeah, we didn't, we don't want this, you know, crash, you know, some games just crash and burn. It was an Epic only game. It would have sold way more on steam. I mean, I don't know how much of a factor that played in. I think that largely their their purchases still would have come from console. For a game like Immortals of Avium, that looked like a console game to me. That looked like a, it would appeal to console gamers. It's their best launch as Eugene, but still below my expectations based on feedback we saw. Peter Forever says, I will 100% call them that compared to the price and offering from those that are actually successful. Elden Ring and Baldur's Gate 3 are perfect examples. See, but this is what people always do. You grab, you you grab like game of the year record-breaking games and you act like, well, if game, if companies would just do this. So let's just analyze what happened with Baldur's Gate 3. 
Baldur's Gate 3 has years of institutional knowledge, a recognizable IP, and they do a couple of years of early access, and they garner a lot of community support, and it helps them build an amazing game. Okay? Looking at every single studio and being like, well, you guys should do what they did. At one level, I agree with you. I think more and more companies should consider doing early access. I think if they would have just built out Act 1 of Diablo 4 and put it in early access two years ago, two two or three years ago, I think Diablo 4 would have been a vastly different and vastly better game when it finally launched. Will people be hesitant or you know reticent to support early access from companies like that? Yeah, maybe, because you're Blizzard. Why are you launching something in early access and charging money for it? Then if we want to look at Elden Ring, again, you have a long-standing development studio that leans on not just institutional knowledge, but animation sets, move sets, weapon systems. Like, they're able to lean on so much to make that game. So it's not as simple as like, oh, just everybody should make a game like that. Everybody should make a game like Elden Ring. Well, number one, you don't want a bunch of Elden Rings on the market either. You want variety, right? Do we want just a bunch of open world Souls games? I don't think so. But the the idea, like, if you just make a good game, it will sell. There are plenty of good games that aren't going to hit record-breaking revenue. You could even look at games that do well. Right? Like, the move into licensing of Marvel games, as an example. Like, look at what we learned about Spider-Man. Spider-Man, as a game franchise, massively successful. Tons and tons of copies of the game have sold. Spider-Man 2 outpacing Spider-Man 1. And yet, and yet, their operating costs are still a problem. And the concern about... You know, how many copies they need to sell and license and royalty sharing with with Marvel and, Di- and Disney. You you take one of the one of the most successful games of 2024, Spider-Man 2, one of the most successful games of 2024, and still there's a question of yeah, the next game we're going to have to break it into two and uh, and sell each game for 50 uh, because you know, the operating costs, the budget, it's just all getting it's just all getting so so large. Like that's why I always find the it's us versus them, their greedy corporations. I always find those narratives to be just tiring because it's like so like there's like a Dr. Claw villain sitting somewhere like raise the price and give these people crap. It's like no. These are highly complex situations there's all sorts of things that lead to a studio uh, launching a game that was maybe bad or launching a game that didn't sell well or launching a game that was buggy and we always want to reduce it down to just like simple soundbite explanations of well the corporations are greedy and they're happy to ship broken stuff and fix it later uh, and everybody wants to do live service games because they're just greedy and they just want to make more money and it's like Figuring out how to do ongoing monetization is quite literally an emergent property of everything we've been talking about. Everything we've been talking about. All of the things that have been happening in the in the gaming space, all of them are leading to this. Because 
if it was just as simple as, well, buckle down and make a really good game and then you'll be okay, well, they would just do that. I don't think they're making these pivots and these changes because they're like, well, we're greedy and we hate the consumer. It's, we have to do this in order to survive. Greed is part of it. No, greed is an assumed, like, moral word that people try to inject as a pejorative in business because I I don't know they need to read some Thomas Sowell or you take an economics class the idea that you can just conveniently invoke greed I'm t- it's it's literally just a convenient thing to grab to like hurl at companies they're all driven by the same thing all of them all of them are driven by profit and maximizing profit because if they maximize profit they're either publicly traded and they keep their shareholders happy or if they maximize profit it makes the business solid it allows them to reinvest it allows them to keep the lights on it allows them to expand it gives them more solidity it protects them from you know potential shifts where we had a great year last year and now and now we've got a surplus to protect us in case something happens like what if demand for your services or your product goes down the pursuit of profit isn't inherently greed greed is a very specific thing I, like i said it's just it's just this weird like mo- like moral injection into the argument where it's like well if i don't like something i'm just going to accuse the companies of greed and it's like okay Like, anytime I've ever criticized Xbox's business practices, I've never once been like, they're greedy. I've always said, the way they approach software is utilitarian. The way they approach software is antithetical to creatives. Even when I give them grief about their 18-month contract policy because they don't want to pay people benefits, I'm never like, that's greedy. That's gross. It's, no, that's how you get to the size of Microsoft, is you shave every corner. You shave every corner. And I'm against it because of what it does to the creative process of making games because then I get a bad product. I've never once been like, they're just greedy and they're mean. It's like, no. You flex your wallet because that's how they've entered the gaming space. They flex the wallet, they buy stuff, and then look at what it does to the studios and look at what it does to the property. Their approach to creative, their approach to software is what I take issue with because I feel like I get an inferior product. I'm not like, well, they're greedy. So what? So is Apple. So is Amazon. So is Google. You're on a, you're on a Google-owned property right now watching YouTube. Do you take some kind of a moral stance against the fact that you're watching content that feeds into ad revenue that supports Google? Is Google not greedy? I think they're the exact example of greed. But you've got to define what you mean. When a company says, we're going to, you know, uh, spend this much money, or we're going to lay these people off, or we're going to raise the price of our stuff. It's just oversimplification to be like, yeah, they're greedy. This is nasty and bad and awful and they're greedy. 
I think that is pretty gross personally. Not taking care of your people and putting out bad products to push up shareholder value is both bad practice and greed. Right. And you and I, Omar, we can share in that, but I never make that part of my criticism because that is a moral imperative criticism which doesn't land on business unless you are doing something that is unethical or mistreats the employee or like hurts them or harms them. They've decided that if they're going to hire contract workers, they don't want to pay them benefits. So they're going to have them walk after 18 months and they can't come back after six. I have a problem with that morally. I'm like, that's terrible. You hire people, pay them what they're worth right whether you have a theory of labor that talks about being you know adequately uh you know paid what you're contributing to the the building of the boat or whatever if you get into some of the theories of labor and philosophy we can agree about that but i just don't make that my criticism because it's like it's just a moral it's just a moral criticism a lot of the times business is not concerned with that business is concerned with we're of this size. We have to make this much. We have to basically keep our shareholders happy. We have to keep our profits rising. And one of the best ways to do that is to lay people off or not people pay, uh, pay people benefits or shut down studios or whatever. My issue with the ABK layoffs was people acting like we knew this was coming. I was frustrated with the coverage. We knew that was going to happen, and we said it was going to happen, and people acted like, no, it won't. No, this is going to be better for the labor force. This is going to be better for Microsoft to come in and buy. My issue was not, oh my gosh, Microsoft's so greedy, I can't believe they did this. My coverage was everybody acting like they knew this was coming or this is no big deal. It's like, we said this would be a result of the acquisition, and we were told that we were fear-mongering. Like, do you see the difference? It's like, I don't think it's very effective to be like, Microsoft bad because they're greedy. Steam's bad then because they're greedy. Steam has all sorts of contract policies baked into their agreements when you put a game on their platform that makes it really hard for other platforms to enter the PC landscape. It's funny how all the PC guys are like super big on Steam, and yet Steam makes it incredibly hard for another platform to enter the landscape, another loader, like uh, like with what Epic's been trying to do. Epic still hasn't made any money on their launcher, on their on their on their storefront. Steam Steam has been very very protective of their dominance. Do you, do you see anybody complaining about that? You see anybody criticizing that? Anybody taking issue with that? No. Well, why? Because they don't care. It's where all their games are. They don't care that Steam's the dominant platform or that Steam has policies in their contracts that makes it really hard for another platform to enter the space and to be competitive how does he make it hard there's been all sorts of reporting and lawsuits on the fact that they've got things baked in that people feel is anti-competitive policies about sale prices policies about price matching if you launch your game on steam they make it incredibly hard for another platform to compete They don't require exclusivity. No, they don't. They require pricing parity, which makes it incredibly hard for a game to launch elsewhere. That's why Epic started trying to do the exclusivity thing. I don't have a bleeding heart for Epic. What I'm saying is all of these companies are doing the exact same thing. They're all doing the exact same thing. 
but we only invoke greed when it's the company that we don't like or it's something that we don't like. We don't invoke greed if our favorite company does it. It's like, well, Steam does it, and that's okay. And Microsoft does it, and that's okay. Policies that are also on PlayStation is PlayStation anti-consumer. I didn't say anti-consumer. I said anti-competitive. And PlayStation has policies that if you're going to put a game, if you're going to put a game on their platform as a third-party publisher, you have to do price matching. Is that true? Yeah, AOZ and Eugene are saying that Steam has most favored nation clauses in their contracts. Explain that. I've not heard about that one. I've heard about the other things that Steam does. Steam doesn't make it difficult for other companies to launch elsewhere. The consumers do. Steam is just easier than keeping track of a dozen different launchers and far less bloated. I'm not saying that Steam is doing anything wrong, by the way, Shooter Forever. I was simply pointing out the inconsistency. Everyone wants to call the company they don't like greedy. They all do the same thing. They're all going to do layoffs. They all have clauses in their contracts to protect their platform, to protect their dominance. They all do things to make it harder on the other guy. That's what they're supposed to do. It's what they're supposed to do. Like, the grandstanding and the self-righteousness is just so tiring. They all do the same thing. I remember when people were like, oh yeah, PlayStation is being sued in Europe, and they were stressing the how they take a 30% cut in their storefront, and I was flabbergasted that people thought it was a smoking gun. I was like, you understand that literally everyone does that. Nintendo, Apple, Xbox, Steam, all of them. Like, PlayStation's very anti-competitive since day one. All those third-party exclusives are because PlayStation is just a preferred platform. Third-party exclusives are not always an anti-competitive move by PlayStation. We learn from Square Enix that they shop their uh, game around and go with the best offer. Everybody always forgets that these gaming companies agree to it. Do you ever think that maybe the gaming companies are the ones that sought out the exclusivity deals? Do you ever think about that? Everybody always wants to point the finger and act like, well, Sony did a bunch of exclusivity. Yeah, well, so did Xbox. You really want to track the history of paying for exclusivity nobody's hands are clean right just because xbox wants to rinse their hands right now and act like your exclusives are bad i told you they would demonize exclusives a week ago and in a matter of seven days that's the narrative it's so predictable i could be the weatherman in san diego i can tell you what's coming i told you i said they will demonize exclusives And in a matter of a week, that's the talking point. That's the discussion point. They're all running with it. Almost like astroturfing was just ready to go. Right? Little dog whistle. I don't know who's who's helped by Helldivers not being on Xbox. There it is. Off to the races. It's time to demonize exclusives. Exclusives are bad. Exclusives are anti-consumer. Oh, now they are. 
it didn't work out for you because you abandoned it. Okay, now they're bad. Got it, sure. Mm -hmm. You ever think that maybe the developers are the ones that seek out the deals because they like building for one platform? They like the money that comes from the contract? They like the marketing being shouldered by a much larger company? Do you ever think about that? Nobody ever thinks about that. It's always with PlayStation pay hat, well, money money hats and and PlayStation's anti-consumer. It's like, what are you talking about? Both platforms were doing it. And the developers love it. They get money. And they get to shrink their bu- they get to shrink their budget and their operating costs. But it, yeah, it's just big mean Sony. It's just big mean PlayStation. A gifted member from Darius and a gifted member from Rinsler takes us to 31. Thank you guys so much. Shooter Forever with the five spot says, the most favorable policy is about not selling keys lower on other launchers. It's literally price equating on all launchers. Price set by. Did they outline... Steam is basically price fixing. You can't have a sale on Epic and not on Steam. PlayStation doesn't do that. Yeah, PlayStation does not do that. There are plenty of times where a game is on sale. Like when Steam does their big sales, you can't like run to PlayStation and get the same deal. That's not a clause. PlayStation's not like, oh, if you put a game on our platform and you do a sale elsewhere, we need to get the sale price too. PlayStation wouldn't do that. They're in the business of selling games. They don't care about that. Whenever Steam does their big sales, you can't run to PlayStation and get the exact same sale price. What you're saying is is simply untrue. Another gifted from Darius. Thank you very much. Taking us a 32. I have licensed songs for video games with EA and 2K, right? They have like 30 songs on there. If we do a micro, uh, an MFN clause, we are saying you aren't going to treat us or pay us less than anyone else. A most favored nation typically means that party always gets to take advantage of the best offer or gets to take advantage of an offer first. AOZ says most favored nation is considered anti-competitive because it enforces equal prices but does not account for the surcharge on a platform like Humble Bundle versus Steam even though Steam charges 30%. Is PlayStation and Steam on the same platform because Xbox does have those sales? Again, I simply don't think that that is true. So when Steam does their big summer sale, or they didn't do their big sales, all the prices are exactly mirrored and mimicked on the Xbox console? I don't think that that's true. Whenever the big Steam sale's going on, I don't think I've ever seen anybody be like, hey guys, make sure and and go check your Xbox because all the prices are the same. I don't think that's true, says Omar. They've literally been sued about it, Omar. They've been sued over that over that in their contract. I don't think the, the lawsuit went in the favor of the plaintiff, but they've been sued about it. Let's remember Scalebound was supposed to be multi-plat. Microsoft locked it as an exclusive and then ditched the project. Yeah, but I don't know if it being locked as an exclusive is why the project got abandoned. I've seen games cheaper on Xbox or on sale on Xbox, but not on sale on PlayStation. 
It depends on how you define anti-competitive. Like I said, I will enforce MFN, uh, most oh, most third nation, in any contract possible for my client. If there's a partner deal for people and Lono is my client, we are pushing MFN. I wasn't attempting to get into the particulars and the minutia of whether or not Steam is anti-competitive. I was simply pointing out that the claim of they are greedy is only invoked when someone doesn't like the company. All of these companies do the same things. They set up the contracts to favor them. They set up the contracts to make it difficult for somebody else to compete against them. They do it as far as the law allows. They will do it. It's it's only invoked when it's like, well, I don't like that company, so I'm going to call them greedy. To, to be a fan of Microsoft or Xbox and accuse anybody else of greed, it is a fish that doesn't know it's wet. It's like you literally are a fan of one of the most ruthless companies, one of the biggest companies, if not the biggest company in the world as far as valuation goes. And you're and you're calling another company greedy. Again, it's like you, if you're going to cheer for Google or Amazon, if you're going to be a fan of them, if you're going to be a fan of Apple, that's why I find it tiring. It's like, okay, what 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 brand of shoes do you wear? What kind of phone do you use? Like are you tied up and worried about the greed and the aggressiveness of all of the the things that you buy? Or is it just the studios or the companies that you don't like? Well, they're greedy. But, you know, my Apple, my Apple phone, the Apple's not greedy. Are you kidding me? They're all doing the same thing. It's like the veil's getting pulled back on basic business practices and people are wanting to pick and choose when it's like reprehensible. Buy spot from Rich Rod. It's possible that the London studio is closing to make way for the new studio Jason Blundell is supposedly leading. Sad times today. I I need to research what London studio has been doing. Apparently this is all the stuff London studio did for Sony over the years. Weren't, I saw people claiming that they were working on VR2 stuff. So that's why I said I don't think we're going to be getting any first party VR stuff. I think I think PlayStation's pivoting and they're going to lean on third party. They're going to lean on third party. That's why they're making it work with PC. Yeah, Super Gaming says VR games. Yeah, I I saw that. I don't I've not been able to verify or vet that, but I saw people claiming that the London studio was working on VR games and I was like, "Well, I said last year we needed more first party PSVR2 games and we needed to stop letting low quality ports come over." Because I thought PlayStation did a terrible job with that. They launched their PSVR 2. It had a better start than VR 1. They had a great showing with Call of the Mountain. And then they had a great showing with Synapse. And they had a good smattering of games. And then they just opened up the floodgates for all these crappy, half-baked ports to come over. It's like, I'm not going to keep buying VR 2 games if this is the quality that I'm going to get. I bought like two or three in a row and the first day everyone's like, yeah, it's it's got a lot of bugs and a lot of glitches. Yeah, they're going to have to patch it. Yeah, they're going to have to fix it. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to sit around and wait for that. So I bought a bunch of VR games that I haven't even played. Vertigo 2, I played for an afternoon. Ran like garbage. Never went back. Why? Why am I going to do that? I'm too busy 
to, to piddle around with your game and hope that it gets fixed. There was that shooter that came out. The the um, it was the one where you played co-op together. And uh, what was it called? Fire Team or whatever. It was a mess. It didn't run well. It had all these problems and all this stuff didn't work right. And th- they they shut it down, didn't they? Didn't they shut the game down? It's like how many times am I going to buy a game for this thing and have it not even? And it's not even ready. What are, what are we doing over here? That's not how you launch a. That's not how you launch your own proprietary hardware. London Studio was possibly working on a live service game. Again, I I told folks they were going to shrink their live service projections. They were. Gonna, I said they're going to cut it in half. I like twelve. I was like, we're going to get six. I was like, it wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of these projects get canceled, um, and or pushed back to the point that they might as well be canceled. Blood and Truth was a VR game. Sony London's last game that they worked on released in 2019. Well, if the last game they worked on was in 2019, they were likely cooking multiple projects from what we're hearing. And they are no more. The reason they targeted 12 was they knew half of them would never make it off the floor. Or half of them would end up on the floor, like throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, I think after the success of Helldivers 2, they're really going to analyze, okay, you know, we need to be very, very, very picky here. We, we can have a couple of really good games that come out and just shelve the rest rather than throw it all at the wall. I mean, you're going to have all your live service games competing with each other. PlayStation London Studio is working on a co-op fantasy game. It was a co-op live service game. That's a bummer. I love, I love co-op games. I love co-op games. You don't know what will hit, says Zubair. If they knew Helldivers would hit like this, they would have launched with a more robust back end. Right, Zuby, they certainly don't know what will hit to this degree, but I think it's an indication that you want to leave room for everything to breathe. Does that make sense? Like, if you just launch a bunch of live service games and they could all choke each other out, you almost want to space it out and give, like, part of the reason Helldivers 2, I think, is having a moment... This is not a uh, this is not the only contributing factor, but there is a contributing factor. It launched in a bit of a vacuum. There wasn't much else out, and that really helps your game. Because everybody's going to be willing to try a $40 game when we're kind of waiting for the monsoon to get here. We're all kind of like looking at the horizon of games and we're like there's so many games coming. They're not here yet. Yeah, I was saying, like, you don't want to just throw everything out there. I said, they're going to be more picky. They're going to be more choosy about... If we launch something and it's good, it'll hurt anything else close to it. Like, Helldivers 2, you know, I don't don't know the status of Foam Stars. They keep promoting it. They keep talking about these tournaments. Again, I don't know. People are saying the matchmaking is terrible. I, I continue to think that that game has an audience that's potentially not here in the West, but... We can't check the numbers. 
we can't check like where it ranks a more robust back in back it up like a tonka truck yeah Green Rant saying PlayStation, you owe us Sony court case payouts. What's that all about? Yeah, the Twisted Metal game has apparently been canceled. Mm-hmm. Yep. I also think the success of Grand Blue Relink and Monster Hunter style of the co-op is going to be looked at more as well. This guy says, I was laid off moments ago, not sure what to say or something like this other than that I feel an overwhelming sense of loss and sadness. I will truly miss Insomniac and my coworkers working along my side of many folks that have been the highlight of my career. That was an Insomniac community manager. I can't believe they hit Insomniac. That's that's the crazy one. We knew they were going to hit Insomniac. We knew that Insomniac had been given the heads up that they were possibly going to have to trim like what 25 to 35 people. So a CM getting hit that's non-essential personnel. I'm not being cold, but that that's what they're going to do, right? They're going to they're going to try to eliminate your non-essential personnel, the people that haven't been there as long because you don't want to lose the people that have all that knowledge of your engine and everything. But that one report from the Insomniac leak indicated that 25 to 35 would potentially need to go. And people thought that they may have quietly done it last year. Um, but we could find no evidence of that. So it's almost like what everybody thought happened last year quietly or it wasn't reported, it was happening now. Will Sony follow Microsoft and port more games to other platforms? No. They reiterated in their statement about the layoffs today that they plan to hit console, PC, and mobile. This this idea, and this is why the reporting gets so tiring about all of this, because you're constantly having to play false narrative whack-a-mole. Everybody that ran with that narrative, yeah, PlayStation's going third-party, you know, PlayStation's going to put games on other consoles... That there is literally no substance to that at all. There's no substance to that. It's just false. They've made it clear time and time again whenever they've listed the other platforms, it's always been PC Mobile Cloud, PC Mobile Cloud, PC Mobile Cloud. They've never been like PC Mobile and yeah, other consoles. They have never, never indicated that. There is no business angle where they would do that. If they're cutting costs right now and they're shuttering studios and laying people off, if you think they're going to spend a dime bringing games to Xbox, I'm sorry, that's delusional. They're not going to spend money to launch on the smallest platform that has the worst sales ratios because of Game Pass and the culture that it's fostered. Oh, and it's a two-tiered system. So you have to build for two consoles. They're, They're simply not going to do that. If they're cutting costs and they're worried about protecting margins and keeping operating costs down, the last thing they're going to do is greenlight something that hurts their identity of a platform by taking their first party property to the least profitable platform in the market. Like, they're just not going to do that. 
if people would look at things with eyes wide open, you would see that the Xbox console platform has literally no leverage at all. They don't. Do you want to know why? Because they're bringing their property to other platforms. That's them admitting they have no leverage. They're like, we're not even making enough money on our own platform on our property. We got to put it elsewhere. The argument against Steam's price fixing was based around Steam saying you can't have your game have a standard price set lower elsewhere. We think that is anti-competitive. There have been both studios and platforms that have claimed that that is anti-competitive. I don't have an opinion on whether or not it is anti-competitive. I brought up Steam and their practices to say all of these companies create environments, contracts, and deals to protect and maximize their dominance, strength, and profit. That was the only reason I brought up Steam. They all do it in their own way. There's no platform that is like, what's the platform that's not greedy according to how we define greed? Who Who is it? Is it Nintendo? Is it PlayStation? Is it Xbox? Is it Steam? They they all do the same thing. That was the only reason I invoked Steam. I get tired of greed being invoked conveniently. You cannot cheer for Sony or Microsoft or Google or Valve. You can't cheer for a single one of those teams and then accuse another team of being greedy. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Eugene says Steam is losing lawsuits. The court says it's anti-competitive. Just please Google Steam anti-competitive lawsuit. Eugene is claiming that they are losing lawsuits about it. So, again, if the courts are determining that it is according to the law, then, yeah, we would say that they are being anti-competitive. It could be to appease the FTC. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me now, okay? That's another theory that I simply cannot take serious, and I'm going to tell you why, okay? I'm not trying to be dismissive, but that theory is just, at this point, I know you might have heard that from somebody else. There were a lot of people saying that. They were saying... They're just doing this because of the FTC. They're just doing this because of the FTC. Okay. This was put into place. This plan was put into place as early as like January of 2023. Well over a year ago. And the CFO tells would-be investors at a Wells Fargo summit that this is going to be what we do. This is a change in strategy. Now, if you think There's some diabolical plan from Microsoft for a CFO to tell investors something that's not really genuine. It's just to appease or convince the FTC. I am so sorry. That is delusional. A chief financial officer is not playing a PR game or some some smoke and mirrors game to like, oh, we got to convince the FTC. So I'm going to go tell investors and would-be investors that we're going to do this. We're only really doing this to satisfy the FTC. You're talking about something that's just not even remotely respectable as a position. That's ridiculous to think that they would do that. The FTC lost, by the way. They lost. 
So the last thing you're going to do is what, try to convince the FTC of what exactly? And why would the CEO, why would Satya Nadella say exactly the same thing? You think the, you think the CEO of Microsoft is speaking to shareholders and playing some weird game because they're worried about the FTC? They whooped the FTC. <laughs> they whooped them. You think Microsoft's worried about the FTC? So, that's why I laughed. Like, I see people, like, desperately throwing that out. Like, it's almost like you're clinging to the last thread before falling off the cliffs. Like, well, maybe they're only doing this because of the FTC. No, that is not why they're doing this. This is the plan going forward. It's what they're going to do. The idea of an Xbox exclusive is now a mirage that sooner or later, everybody's going to come to realize it's not there anymore it's not when they committed in their xbox podcast when they committed in the blog post about the future of xbox they made zero mention of exclusivity all they talked about was the biggest games will be on xbox first party games will hit game pass day and date that right there is all you need to know the idea of an xbox exclusive that term has just turned into vapor it's gone. And eventually, people are going to get close enough to the mirage to realize that it's gone. You can't say every screen is an Xbox and then in the next breath say, this is an Xbox exclusive because it doesn't make any sense. They are diametrically opposed philosophies. They don't mesh. They're oil and water. To be clear, I think sharing those games is great for the players, the games, and the devs. I have been in full support of timed exclusivity because what it does to the devs and then everybody gets to play the game. I've been on that train for a while. I think it's totally fine to have your own first party studios like your Halos and your God of Wars. That's never been a bother to me, but I've also been fully in support of timed exclusivity because it aids the developers. They bring something more optimized to the market then it gets ported elsewhere and then everybody gets to play the game if they would like. It's never bothered me, like, if a game comes... Like, I said this about Helldivers. I was like, I don't care if they bring it to Xbox later. That doesn't bother me at all. I think that's good for your for your funnel. Now, I don't know if PlayStation's philosophy will allow for that, but I'm totally okay with that. That doesn't bother me. I've never thought, oh my gosh, if they do this, this is going to be terrible. It's always been, what are they going to do from a business perspective? You're not going to take a God of War and put it on Xbox. You're just not going to. It's a tentpole. It's first-party studio. It's it's baked into the identity of the platform. That's platform identity eroding if you suddenly have Kratos on an Xbox. But a live service game? Again, again, they might see it differently. They might see it differently. But I don't I don't generally care about where the games end up landing ultimately. I've always said I want quality. And I want the consumer to get a good product. Like, the consumer matters and the quality matters. And that's why I've always been in support of exclusives or time exclusives. Why? The product comes to market faster. You get a better quality product. Consumers are happy. That's why I can't view it as anti-consumer. I believe that's just such a reductionist position. It's like, well, if you don't do this one thing, you're anti-consumer. Well, we focused on making a really good product, a really optimized product. We focused on keeping the budget under constraints so we wouldn't have to like ship too early or be under threat of not being profitable and maybe closing down. Like We did all these things to make sure that the product was going to come to market and the consumer got a good product. 
But it's like, well, if you don't, if you don't make it accessible everywhere, that's anti-consumer. I just think that's reductionist. It's like if you don't do this one thing, you're anti-consumer. Oh, okay. That would be like saying if your game's not free to play, you're anti-consumer. You're paywalling your game. You're gatekeeping your game. That sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? It's like, well, wait, you just made this arbitrary rule. Like, well, if you do this and you're anti-consumer. Well, it's like they could do all these other things to ensure that a good product comes to market. But if they don't do that one thing. And it's like, well, I, I, I just cannot agree with that. It's too, it's, it's, I'm sorry. It just is simplistic. Sounds like the view of a simpleton. It's like, what? You don't, just this one thing, that's all? You think Microsoft can leverage their servers? I think they have things to leverage, it's just not their games. I mean, the Azure servers are used in a lot of places. Helldiver, I believe Helldivers 2 uses them. <laughs> I feel bad for Insomniac. First the hack, which led to the leak, now the layoffs. That studio's been through the ringer. If they're hitting Insomniac, then you know that this was completely unavoidable. This isn't some we want to pad our we wanna we wanna line our pockets. It's not some simplistic, you know, Christmas bonus grab. If you hit Insomniac then this is serious. This is serious. Because we saw those internal leaks and we knew. We knew. We were like, Insomniac's going to have to trim. Everybody's going to have to trim. We're, we're facing down a, a, a an, an equilibrium or a balancing of the market and that's going to require it's going to require some belts to tighten up. And it's insane to say that about games that have done so well. This just adds credence to some of the arguments about how we always said the Game Pass model is not sustainable. Why? I mean, look at the buy-to-play market and how and how insanely volatile it is. You can have an incredibly successful studio and game and still be like, we, we got to bring production costs down. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. It's like we, we still, yeah, we still got to bring production costs down. Now, Insomniac might be in a very unique position because of the Marvel licensing. Like, imagine that Ratchet was as successful as Spider-Man, and they had that many Ratchet games out. Spider-Man 1, Miles, and Spider-Man 2. Imagine that. Imagine how much more profitable that would be for them. Why? Because they're not doing licensing and royalty sharing with Marvel. Like, can you imagine having your own property be that successful? Did Gorilla and Santa Monica get hit? Yeah, London Studios is closing, yeah. Sony making things for their consumers is what companies do to stay in business. That doesn't make them anti-consumer just because you're not one of their customers. 
I disagree. It's a normal factor. They finished a phase, so they have to lose a few pounds before moving on to the new phase. Gorilla got hit. Not a lot. That's actually really surprising that they hit Gorilla. That's actually even more surprising. Because Gorilla's not doing a license or royalty share. And, and Horizon's been very successful. That's crazy. London Studios hasn't done anything in a decade. They're cutting waste. How big was London Studios? Like, of the 900, how big was London Studios? How much of a percentage does London Studios make up? Looks like it's around 50 employees, maybe? Around 50? There are two opposing concepts. Lawsuit in the UK stating PlayStation abusing dominant position to make money and suing for billions. Uh, That's counter to needing layoffs. 8% cut is a waste cut. Let me solo her is retiring. Can't be that big. Eugene says these others are cutting 20 to 30% or more. Sony PlayStation layoff will impact Insomniac Games, Naughty Dog, London, Gorilla, and Fire Sprite. Sony said the PlayStation Studios talks about a different approach and different resources required for its PC and mobile focus. That's another factor, right? If you've got studios that were working on VR or games that might not bridge those gaps, they're like, no. Like PlayStation saying, we need games that can land on both console and PC successfully. We need games that can go to mobile successfully. And that's why I said we're probably not going to get any more big first party VR. That's not their focus. They're going to do this, this, this VR 2 works on PC. Now they're going to lean on third party for VR, which means they might be lowering their investment in VR altogether. Like, getting the units out and creating them and all of that might slow. Unless they can see a surge of demand because it can suddenly be worth, you know, the PC audience can suddenly buy it. Who knows? It doesn't change the human element. It still sucks, but 8% is nothing. That's waste. London Studio had somewhere between 50 and 200 employees. Let's just say 75 to 100. That's a that's a decent chunk of the 900 right there. So, you know, that studio was either making stuff that they've decided they didn't need anymore or I don't know. They're adapting to the market and it friggin' sucks, but what are you going to do? If the market's going to stabilize and say VR VR's not the future. We need games that can land on both console, PC, and mobile. 
we're gonna we're gonna lean heavily on third party for VR. We're gonna make the VR PC compatible. If they do D and D, they could do VR with ease. I'm not sure what you're saying. I think they should consider putting their money into games as a service games. Well, they are. Half their investment spending going forward is half of it is traditional and half of it is live service. Now, that may slow down because of some of the studios and canceled projects, but when they outlined their plans, they were like, we're, we're, go- we're going half. Sony London Studio announced that they made a, so- a Soho engine to support their new game. I guess all that tech's gone now. I said something similar, Scott, with Helldivers kind of blowing up. It's like, yo, we need to slow down and be a little bit more choosy here because you don't want to start stepping all over your games. Too many live service games, they'll cannibalize each other. Google lost 70 billion in trading due to an AI botch up. What? Oh, if they do day and date, if they do day and date, they could do VR with ease. Yo, and MASH comes in with a 10 bomb here at the final moments, taking us to 42 members out of 50. If we get eight more members, I'll have to get five, man. Thank you, MASH. All those people can now take part in the uh, members-only chat that we have running. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, Thank you again, Mash, dude. You have been just absolutely going wild with, uh, with the gifteds lately. It's very, very kind. Putting, putting the daily count on your back. The disappointment in your voice? What disappointment in my voice? What did I say? Mm-mm. If we get 10 more members, oh wait, nothing happens? That's not what I... Why are you putting that energy out at all? That's such a weird thing to say. I I did not act disappointed at all. Why would we even feed that narrative of, of the people that hate me? That is such a weird thing to say. I had I absolutely did not sound or, or in, invoke any disappointment. <laughs> if we get eight more, I have to give five. Like, I was just keeping track of what's going on. Uh, I'm also reading. I'm setting up the next thing. PS5 Pro rumored to be double the power. Are we expecting 4K 60? They're saying 4K 128K 60. It was funny. You miscounted. I didn't miscount. What do you mean? I said 10 more. That puts us at 42. What? Oh.
Oh, you're going to miss now something? No, I was just scheduling writers and was doing two things at once. I, I was not at all trying to sound disappointed. Um. Oh, you guys are still discussing the law. I was like, what are you guys posting articles for in the Discord? Um. Mash is like, I'll help then. Another 10 takes us to 52. <clears throat> I absolutely was not trying to sound disappointed. I was in the middle of something. It was like, hey, another 10. And if we get eight more, I have to get five. We are like, we have freaking people absolutely hawking the channel for clips of me being ungrateful for super chats and gifteds. Like, good golly. Thank you, Mash. I owe five. Let me do it now. Uh... PC and PlayStation are the smallest platforms for VR. Love this podcast. Thank you for the shows every day. It makes my day, bro. Thank you, Maxwell. I can do better than that if you want them fed. No, I don't want them fed at all. Like, we should never give in to some narrative that I'm not being grateful. Like, even if we're joking. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Whiskey Neat says, I'm broke, but I can't leave this generosity to mash alone. You don't need to do anything, Whiskey. We hit 52. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Whiskey. Thank you, Whiskey. Taking us to 53. I appreciate it. All right. I got the thumbnail change on the main. Okay. And I got redirect set up. Okay. Um, if, if you got, man, I have had an eyelash like all morning and I like didn't want to mess with it because I'm always nervous. Like I have long eyelashes and I'm always nervous. I'm going to make it worse and like jam it into my eye. Um, Uh, 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 uh. Well, you see purples upping their sub rates in certain countries. But I never sub there. They have all kind of operating cost trouble. I said for a very long time that, that platform is not as is is really profitable at all. You know, people don't realize the troubles of that platform. So. They could be making a lot of money off of folks like me, but they were more interested in doing business favors. Hopefully that worked out for them. Nobody notices my lashes anymore uh, since I got glasses. I used to get so many compliments from older girls on my eyelashes and then I got glasses and they instantly stopped. It's time to get contacts, bro. Okay. We are going to go to the writer's room in... uh, I'll give you guys five minutes. I'll give you five minutes if you guys have anything else you want to ask me about. We are currently running a members AMA. uh, A members ask me anything. 
you can ask me anything about gaming chat set to members only if you guys want to push this to 75 feel free let me give you a member count we were going to go for 3500 but the dilemma with gifted memberships is when we get 30 days away from a really big member day we end up dropping because all of those gifteds roll off that's a great reason for people to pick up their own membership to help that not happen so if you received a gifted membership in the last couple of weeks and you enjoy what we're doing here pick up the membership on your own it's six bucks and uh it's a you know it's a dollar more than the five standard but that'll get you into everything that'll get you into the writer's room that we're getting ready to go to uh we are currently at 2848 so we're 150 shy of 3000 if we hit 3000 we will do on the eighth excuse me we will do on the uh on the 8th of march we will i got to think of an incentive we've we've gone we've done so many incentives we'll do another game night we'll do another extra game night i'll just commit to that a community game night whether it is uh fall guys or or something else um so um the south korean uh streamers are protesting pulling out by streaming adult content i don't understand what are they protesting aren't they aren't they basically done after a certain month or something can't really protest i mean the operating costs of streaming over there they can't sustain it you want to know my thoughts on the kick platform uh it's just a big funnel for gambling revenue i don't think they're interested in being a gaming streaming platform uh i don't think there's really opportunities to grow over there i think there's opportunities to make money if you're big enough they don't really have systems in place for discovery they don't really have a user funnel that's going to help you grow um and it's all backed by gambling money and so the big people um the big people that are going over are signing contracts to stream gambling so i don't have a very high opinion of that at all like we tried it out but then the more i thought about it it was like i don't i just didn't want to be we secured the name so like nobody can go over there and like do do anything with our name um but the more we looked at it the more i thought about it i was like there's just too many reasons to not be over here you know so no somebody asked me about kick the sort of like Twitch's little like stepbrother that stole the code and the front end of the game of, of Twitch and built their own platform. It's all backed by a company called Stake, and they are they have tons of money to throw at a platform like that and basically lost lead because they're gonna it's basically a funnel for gambling. That's what they're gonna do. Now they'll say we don't promote gambling on the site, you know, we don't have ads for the gambling on the site. Oh, yeah, that's fine. You're you're paying big names to come to the platform and then stream gambling. And I don't trust it. I don't trust it. I don't trust online gambling sites that do sponsored streams because it's it's too easy for shenanigans to go on in the background and for somebody to win money. Uh, really big streamers doing sponsored streams like opening up packs and uh, and spending money in these micro stores. I don't have any respect for that. I think it's gross. And I think they likely are given uh, win rates that are unrealistic uh, to mislead the public, to go spend money, 
and to essentially gamble for items and games thinking they're going to win like their favorite streamer won. Um, I think it's unethical and dishonest, and I think, you know, the government will probably step in at some point because it's, I, I don't think it's real. I think they're lying to people. Um, whether it's the gambling or the opening of the packs, I think it is almost guaranteed to be dishonest and not real. And I think the government needs to investigate it. And I think there's going to be streamers that land in some hot water. You know, we even found out that there were streamers on Twitch that entered into contracts to where they were paid a flat fee and memberships, gifted members and bits didn't go to them. And I think that is completely ridiculous and unethical people were giving money and paying money on a false pretense um they were giving money to a streamer that was not going to the streamer they thought i here's my hard-earned money man i'm working and i love your vibe and i love your stream here's 50 dollars, and the money never went to the streamer i have a pretty serious problem with that getting money under false pretense is not something that I would support being paid money to stream gambling to give people a false sense of what they could earn or what they could win I have no respect for that I think it's gross and especially with when they do it in a game when they do it in a game and the the earn rate of what they open in the box um, what they what they open in the box can be manipulated by the developer I think that needs to be investigated by the government. I I guarantee you it's been manipulated and falsified. And then the public is given the impression that, oh, I can win like this guy just won, and they go and spend money. So. When was that? That came out recently, and I tried to draw attention to it, and nobody cared. It came out recently. That, you know, big streamer was under a contract on Twitch, and didn't see any of the money from subs, gifted subs, and bits because they were being paid a flat fee. So people are literally spending their hard-earned money and it never went to the streamer. You fostered an entire culture and an entire expectation on that's what your hard-earned money was going toward. I'm supporting this guy. Yeah, man. This guy had a kid. Yeah, man. Let's support this guy. No, you're not supporting him at all. You're just giving the money to Twitch. You can't run a platform like that, man. That platform has been doing all kinds of shady nonsense for years, both in the back end, you know, trading business favors and doing stuff to people and, you know, taking people's platforms away. Um... On, on 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 false claims or, or breaching contract with people you know on false claims and then doing that yeah they'll they'll get they'll get what's coming to them companies that run themselves like that always do they always do is that even legal um I don't think it is. No, I don't think that's full disclosure. I think when you are paid to play a game, when you are paid to make a video, you have to divulge that to the public. And when you are being paid by Twitch and the consumer is no longer paying you, I believe that should have been divulged to the public. 
I believe that, uh, yeah, I believe that that's wrong. When YouTube cracked down on everyone saying affiliate link in the description because the SEC, FTC pressured YouTube to make people disclose that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But that's how Twitch runs. They don't have, uh, they don't have standards. They're, they're, uh, all their virtue signaling is is just a facade. They have their ethics and their morals are non-existent. They don't care. They don't care about hurting people or the audience, and they certainly don't care about people being misled. So, don't have a lot of respect for that platform at all. Let's get out of here. Let's go to writer's room. Uh, this was a fun stream, kind of all over the place. I have no idea. We might have cannibalized the layoff stream. We'll see. We talked about it a lot already, and I don't know if we want to do it again. We'll we'll make a decision. Give me 27 more likes if you've been hanging out and enjoying the stream, man. Smash that like button. It helps this video even when I'm no longer live. If you're at a $6... If you are at a $6 membership tier or higher, you get to come with us, so consider upgrading. A lot of people have upgraded. We have over well over 500 people now that can come to these streams, and we used to only have about 400. So that's been awesome to see. So consider jumping up in your support. And I'm going to go ahead and go live over there now. Thanks so much for being a member or higher. That $6 member tier or higher. You guys are supporting the channel directly, and we appreciate that. This is going to be another episode of The Writer's Room. We're going to figure out what we want to talk about tomorrow. Uh, we're going to debate or try to figure out if we want to cover these PlayStation layoffs. Uh, we It ended up coming up a bunch in the PS5 Pro stream anyway, which I knew was something we wouldn't be able to avoid. It's like we're not going to be able to talk about PS5 Pro and not talk about 900 people getting laid off. So we may have cannibalized that show. I'm going to end the show about the PS5 Pro. Make sure you guys smash like, loop back around, and leave a comment. That helps out that video even when we're not live. And now that we're out, I'm going to quit.